Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Loss of Lieutenant. I'm your host, Kevin, and on tonight's show I'm joined by fellow hosts... Nick. Jacob. And no Julian. <laughs> yes. Aww. Aww. I mean, I he mean, was supposed to come on, but he had a rough day at work. Pour one out. Um, I'm sure there's some listeners out there who are like just waiting to see what new song he put on, but we'll have to wait for the next exciting episode. Now that we're giving him shit, it's going to be even worse when he comes back next time. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. He's going to be talking about how, how the views were lower because he wasn't on. Um, anyway, yeah. so on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about well, Breaking Down Season 12. Uh, the new ITS season. Well, not that new anymore, I guess, but yeah. we're back at uh, face-to-face games, so probably a good like, time breaking, to get back are we, are to are we talking breaking, about it. Are we breaking down Breakdown? Yeah, that's it, because oh. it's called Breakdown. It's called Breakdown. Wow. Oh my god, that's our that's our episode title. We've never had an, such an easy episode. <laughs> okay, this episode is called Break It Down. Breaking Breaking Down Breakdown or something like that. Okay, we'll we'll work on it. We'll, we'll work, work on it. <laughs> but that's all right. But yeah, like literally about probably two months ago, we put out a shout out on our Facebook pages <laughs> to get que- listener questions. Uh, in response to what they, what people want to hear us talk about in regards to the new season, and uh, so you know there, there was some such high quality questions there that it's taken us this long to come back to you guys. So you have to really comb through them all because that popular. We got so many as well. We did. We did get quite a few. I had to like prod a few people on the Facebook chat though to just be like, "Hey, would you mind like just answering, like asking a question on the thing, please?" So, but, but people Getting came out and they asked. People have probably forgotten what questions they asked, but we will we will get into that. But first, we will, uh, as we always do, talk about some recent games and some recent hobbies. So, um, Nick and Jacob, I believe there was some kind of IRL event in Melbourne recently. There was. Were you there, Jacob, or was it just me? No, no just, just, just me. Yeah. Oh, Julian. No, Julian was there. That's right. Oh, that's right. Um, Wait, he was there as well, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we had a an actual Infinity Tournament. Um, which yeah. was really great. We had uh, we had twelve people come along, and everyone had a really great time. Uh, the mission set was decapitation, acquisition, and supremacy, which are all pretty stock standard uh, missions. Which was great because uh, playing three games of Infinity in real life for the first time in quite a while in a single day uh, definitely cooked a few people, but, uh, we, ha- everyone had a great time. Julian ended up winning the event, unfortunately. Mm. Um, uh, with, I believe he had three wins. He must've had three wins if he won, right? Yeah. Um, and then I, I came fourth, uh, which I was really pleased with, uh, considering I was playing a faction that I'd never played before, which is, uh, the Yuxing sectoral white banner, uh, which is pretty much my new go-to now. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and I've, uh, I'm doing pretty well with them. Um, so far, but yeah, it was a really, it was a really fun day. Uh, three great games, um, and it was one of those days for me personally where I really enjoy, like thoroughly enjoyed all three of the games that I played, and really got some great takeaways from each one of them. And um, yeah, so it made me a better person. Do you, um, yeah, white banner because we like last episode. I think we were you were trying to figure out which um, Eugene Sectoria you were going to play, and it sounded like it was between. White Banner and Invincible Army. So um, you you like them? What um, what were what did you sort of run on the day? Well, look, up until probably the night before the event, I was kind of, I was I was laboring over Invincible Army lists 
because I, I really did want to play the Invincible Army and I was trying to make him work for the scenario um, selection that was that was on for the day. But then I sort of took a step back and, and had a look at some of the units that are available in White Banner. And I was like, actually, a lot of these, pretty much all, all the the niche units that White Banner brings to the table are all the units that I absolutely loved playing when I was playing Vanilla. So the Guilang and the Daofei and the um, Shaolin Monks and things like that. Um, I really, really get a lot of work out of those in my Vanilla lists. So I ended up basically building a list that could pass off as one of my Vanilla lists, except it also had a five-man link team in it with um, with the Shang-Gi, with the APHMG. Yeah, and, um, why wouldn't you take that guy? Yeah, the, the like the greatest loadout in the game, basically. Um, and and putting him in a five man link is just it's it's a, you're 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 giving him a disservice if you don't put him in that link, basically. As a wild card as well, you can go wherever he wants. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it's um it, it was really fun, and the, the two lists that I ran were very similar. I had one specific list for uh, uh decapitation, so that I could have I took a Guilang uh, lieutenant, so that I could have him in a camo state just for a bit of protection oh is he still then, two swc or is they that changed one one, one swc okay. right but like it's still it's not it's not free um mm-hmm. but like yeah there's i wasn't really spending all my swc anyway so but that's, all that's good. um cool. yeah i can i we can i'm happy to link the uh the main army list that i so actually yeah i, lo- I lost my first game of decapitation um which was against Ben, and it was a, it was a hard fought game, and we both had bunkered up our lieutenants pretty hard. I'd, I I mean I thought I'd bunkered up pretty hard, but then Ben deployed, and uh, he was playing Shock Army, who apparently get mine layers for free, <laughs> and had his uh, lieutenant in a five man link, and like I'm not joking when I'm saying that the path to get to his lieutenant was sort of amongst the, the the only way to get there you had to go through about 10 mines right and um so like it was really in 10 mines and then you had the tick belong as well and then um as well as the, the lieutenant being in a five-man link it was just it was just like castle like i've never seen before and so there was no real opportunity to uh to get to the lieutenant itself but um but yeah the rest of the game was really great um in, on upon reflection, there was one face to face role where I had um, uh, what's the what's that guy, character's name, Kev, that I was telling you about? Um, in White Banner. Yeah, yeah the the one from Aristale. Um, uh, Li Gong. Li Gong. That's that's him. right. Yeah, so Li Gong was shooting his shock marksman rifle at the Tikbalang, and I won the face to face role. And then he's passed his armor saves because, of course, he is because it's a it's a rubbish weapon to shoot a tag. But then it was art, like the, in the next face to face roll, I actually looked at the profile and realized that he also had Blitzen. And I'm like, if I had used the Blitzen in the first time, if I actually knew what my army had in it, hmm. then that it definitely could have swayed the game in a completely different direction. But because um, that was fairly early on when that happened, but you can't win them all. And then, um, yeah, so then I had two games after that. Acquisition was next against Hugh, who's a fairly new player. I think he's from out west of Melbourne. I believe um, so. I think I played him on TTS. Yeah, yeah he ha- he did say he's been playing quite a bit on TTS. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, he played vanilla Hak Islam. And um, with, uh, in Acquisition, he had... Uh, 
Saladin. He had Saladin as his lieutenant, and at one point Saladin was standing on the top of a building with his back facing over the balcony. And so I'm like, this is a great opportunity to drop a tiger soldier directly behind him and shoot him in the back for a lieutenant assassination, which uh, which I did turn two. So he was like in lost lieutenant. Or it could have even been turn one I did that. He was in turn two or turn three. He was in lost lieutenant. Great success. And, um, yeah, that's right. I ended up winning eight or nine zero that one, I think. Um, and I killed every single thing that he had on the table. that He did not have – he had zero uh, victory points at the end of the game. Uh, so it was, wow. it was funny because I have like probably three times in, the, mm. in my time playing infinity, I have lost games because my opponent has gone into a retreat and then won. Whereas yeah. um, this time I looked at what he left on the table, what he had left on the table halfway through my uh, second turn. <laughs> counted, counted points. And I, I had a bit of a count. Like, I don't know what these things are worth, but I can kind of guess that, like, that guy's going to be around 30 points. That guy's going to be – these line troops over here, they're worth, like, 10. So I'm, I'm thinking this guy's going to get close to being in retreat. So at the end of my second turn, I stopped killing things <laughs> because – And did the mission. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually did the mission, which is what yeah. you really got to do. And, um, like, it really it, – it, paid off for me because he was like just a few points away from being in retreat and acquisition is one of those missions as well where you you want to just kind of like start stomp on their throat and then wait get in position for turn three to touch the touch the touch the the thing because acquisition scores at the end of the game not the end of each round Mm -hmm. and so if the end of the game comes early because you put your opponent in retreat then uh you you done goofed and you couldn't really pay for that I'm, and taking then, um, look, I'm taking a look at the um, that uh, mine layer profile for Shock Army and four, 13 points for that. No SWC. Oh, the regular. Gross profile. That's a gross profile. It's a great unit. It's a great, great unit. Yeah, unit filler. Yeah. Like, why would you not pay the extra, like, couple of points? <laughs> but he also get... gets triangulated fire and sensor. No. It's a joke. It's, no, it's an absolute joke. But, um, yeah, and then the third game was... Uh, Supremacy, which is a which is a classic Infinity mission, um, playing Luke Henry, uh, and it was funny that that game I got alpha. He alphaed me with um, McMurrah, McMurrah, which I'd never um, experienced before, and I now know that if McMurrah's coming down, coming at you, then you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time. And um, he McMurrah killed probably four things, I reckon, um, and then like I had to work hard. Met, put on my personal mental side of things not to tilt straight away in the, I started the first turn but I managed to ha- after that I managed to take out McMurray in the first turn then managed to my five men like, did a little bit what of did work what did you actually do use turn. to take him out sorry um, so he McMurray, um hit my Rushi and put it unconscious and uh, so then I got the engineer powerbot to jump off a building next to the Rushi and then walk over and repair it and then the Rushi went and engaged Makmara. Makmara won the face off and and killed the Rushi again. So I had to go and repair it again. <laughs> but then finally the um the the the, the Spitfire uh, paid off. And so I mean, sure, he's oh. total immunity. But when you're throwing weight of dice with um with a burst four Spitfire with um at, at a guy that doesn't get cover um because of his impetuous, yeah. then you you're, you're gonna you'll, you'll get there in the end. So like. His, his tough 
and he, he's got that he's got amazing dodge because he's dodging on like 16s or something mm-hmm. but in saying that he can he, if you if you shoot if you throw enough bullets at him then um you, you can you can get the win out and one of the big changes i think from mcmorrow from n3 to n4 is Whereas before his total immunity meant that he was armor four all the time. Now the changes is he's armor four against only things that are against armor. So if you can hit him with a breaker, or a nanopulsor, or a viral, well, obviously viral, um, then he can't. He's he's um, BTS. Oh no, 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 actually no. He, he does have a BTS, doesn't he? I think he does actually. He's slightly less BTS in his armor, but you can hit him with um, with that. It's a bit easier. Um, yeah, well, if I, if I hadn't really thought about that because I, also I didn't really have any other tools in there that could have affected his BTS. Um, yeah. So, but um, yeah, so after after that, after my first turn close to t- being tilted, I managed to, to pull, it, pull it back. And then after that, my, um, I had the Shang-Gi in the five-man link again. He was just kind of standing up on a building, just throwing out AROs and not losing any face-to-face rolls, basically. Which is pretty good so, for a dude with an HMG, like you know, you, you were never outranged, I guess, or what was? It was a it was a fairly dense table, and the the firing line in front of him didn't really have any lines that could have been longer range than than what are good HMG range bands, and then the uh, Luke's five man link, its long range weapons in it were like I think he had HM he had a Spitfire in there, and he had a heavy rocket launcher. And then heavy rocket launchers got the same range bands as a HMG, so he wanted mm-hmm. to be for him to be in good range. He wanted to be in my good range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and also, your yeah, sorry, I misspoke. McMurrow's BTS is three, which is only marginally worse than his armor of four. So, sure. not not much difference hitting him with breaker. Um, yeah, cool. Actually, on the t- on the top. Well, so well done. First of all. Um, for for uh, I was actually fourth. really surprised. When, well, I mean, I got two wins and a loss, and then um, I was really surprised when it came to the announcements and they they called my name out to come fourth because I'm like, oh wow, that's that's not bad. What sick prize did you get? I got the um, oh, actually Jacob. I've been meaning to tell you this because I, oh. I know you and I had a discussion oh. about it. I got the character pack from uh, the uh, the new manga. Awesome! Oh, really? What's it called? Um, betrayal uh, from um, yeah, betrayal. Yeah, betrayal, betrayal, betrayal. With oh, sweet. Uh, <laughs> so now I have another sculpt of. Uh, <laughs> of uh, the, whatever his name is. Kodali? No. Kodali. That's that's the word. I was oh, I've got another sculpt called Kodali because I got the limited edition Kodali that came with the book itself, mm. and um, now I've got another Kodali. Um, so I'm collecting Kodalis apparently. And what's his face? So. Um, um, a deal, a deal. Yes, I got yeah. the deal. The deal in the crane armor. So, Ooh, that's yeah. a really if nice I, sculpt I, as well. It is. I think so as well. Yeah, and so if I do end up going back to Imperial Service one day, then I'll be able to put him on the table. He's, oh, he's available. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to come and grab the Samaritan off you. Oh yeah, no, he's he's only yeah. he's only available in ISS with the crane armor, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah Normally right. he's uh, mean. It's not a bad profile. It's a great profile. Pretty mean in that one. Mm, he is. He is. He's. He's absurd in close combat as well. That guy. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, and you were just talking about tables there. I mean, I know we had a brief discussion about it before, but um, obviously there was twelve players, so six tables. You played on half of them. What would you say was the sort of um, table density design? Did they play okay? 
Yeah, so uh, the first table I played on was Luke's table, which is beautiful table. It's like this Hak Islam yeah, design yeah. desert oasis type thing. Oh, yeah. The, I think, Bridge, I think yeah. it's from Warsenal, I think. Um, but it's just gorgeous. and It's like a the, really pretty Moss Eisley. Yeah, those guys have done such a good job on the painting of that table as well. It's, it was mm. an absolute pleasure to paint, play on. Um, it was probably one of the most open tables at the event, and it was probably pretty dense, pretty dense by normal standards. And then there was probably two tables there that featured quite a bit of Brutal Cities terrain. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> who brought the who brought the Brutal City stuff? Uh, ben brought one and maybe Julian. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, but there was, yeah, there was definitely two tables there that had a decent amount of Brutal Cities, um, which, again... There's going to be a lot of that, I think. Oh, yeah. That's nice stuff. I mean, we keep promoting it as well. So if you haven't checked it out, you should definitely go check it out. But, I mean, the aesthetic is great and the the playability is great because they are large buildings, but by the fact of them being so large, there's a lot of space inside for you to actually get your hands in Mm -hmm. and move things around in through the balconies and things like that. Um, So... I played on one of those tables, which was um, which was good, and then um, the other table again, probably not not super dense, but a, 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 enough stuff on there to block most of the line of fire areas. Like there was no super long range areas, a couple of sniper spots, but nothing crazy. Yeah, um, the, my, the- I brought my table as well, which again is is a is an urban table made from Knights of Dice and uh, Warsenal stuff, and it's as that's quite a, um, a nicely it's a nice aesthetic that one it's got a nice theme that table there's like a there's mm. a real city vibing city going on there yeah that was the theme that i that i wanted to go for with that one to have it as a um kind of like um i guess cyberpunk grunge type the sort of thing that you'd, you'd see um kind of like a city from um blade runner type thing yeah that was the impression i got from it looking at it it was nice um uh the henry brothers table that hack one um because they think they've added more terrain to it because um some people did say it was too open and i don't ever think it was open what i think is and this isn't a problem with the design it's mostly a problem with the the type of terrain in that it's um that kind of arabic look a lot of the buildings are rounded and when they're rounded it's really difficult to like especially in n3 maybe less so now in n4 um, to position your dudes on a round bit of table uh, terrain to stay out of line of fire or to like claim the most amount of cover because sure. there's there's no so, there's no corners to hide in. It's just everything's round. Yeah, of, of course. And and the the way they laid it out, most of the round, like the larger buildings that have got big curved sides, the curved side was pointing outwards towards the table edge, not mm. inwards towards the center, mm. which meant that. Unless you're doing a real hard flanking maneuver, you didn't really come up with that type of issue. But then the other side being um, with the way the cover works in N4, it's not that much of a big deal because if you're actually touching the wall, yeah, yeah, unless unless That's... you can really see the whole the whole model you're shooting at, chances are they're going to get cover. I think that actually makes those ta- those types of tables way more playable because you are and it's mm. just like, oh, I'm in cover, I'm touching it. Like you can't you can't see my yeah, like you say, it's great. So that actually really helps them, I think. No, mm. definitely, and like I mean, the, there is a f- if you were to play it as is on the on, like on the table because there's a few sort of archways and like courtyards of the buildings and things. Ben and I decided that 
the courtyards would be counted, considered as if they were inside of a building in terms of not being able to shoot all from one side of the courtyard all the way through to the other side um, because that would have just made the thing far too open. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And that, um, I guess like our um, our game we had recently, Nick. I think the um, one of the um, <clears throat> questions what we had is 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 how to play kind of buildings like that. You know, um, we we always play murky windows, and um, that you can see in and you can see out, but you can't see through a building, as in like if there's windows or um, windows on each side, you can't see through them. And now a way that a variation that I play. Or some of us play, but I'm not sure how universal it is. And I know going over to WA, um, the guys don't play it this way. Is that I like to play it as if you are on the outside of the building and you touch, get into base base to base contact with the building out a window, you are now counted as being in the building for line of sight purposes. So you can now see into the building and you can see through the building. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's how that's generally how I prefer to play Windows. Um, interesting point about the game that you and I had as well, Kev, um, was that um, because I think when, you, when you're discussing how the line of fire is going to work through buildings, you've got to really take into account what the whole table setup looks like, right? Mm. Um, on your table, which is 99% Brutal City stuff, um, or maybe even 100% Brutal City. I I'm think it's sure. 100% Brutal Cities, yeah. Yeah, so like some of those Brutal Cities buildings... Um, Whereas a lot of other buildings are like the typical pancake stack, there's windows on all sides, right? Where you can see line of if, if you put the true line of sight through one window and out windows on the other side. Whereas a lot of those brutal cities buildings, the way that they've been built, there's one side that is a hard surface, and that's what you take off to get inside the building, right? Mm-hmm. So that whole side has no windows on it, which means you can have a different conversation about how line of fire is going to work. So the way that you and I did it with those buildings who've got big, wide-open balconies was that we can play true line of sight through those balconies because a balcony, like, law-wise, I guess, like, in-universe, in the balcony is big enough that you could be able to see through it. And also, from a practical standpoint on density of the table, um, there was so much terrain on there that if we were not playing them to be able to see through those balconies, it makes the, 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 the maximum volume mass of each building so much greater than what it would be, being the way that we played it, yeah, and would be would be so much harder to play on because you'd be not getting line of fire anywhere until you started to really have some tiny fire lanes. Yeah, and I think um, those so the buildings you're talking about are the uh, I can't remember how to pronounce it, like Vana Vana Vanuatan Van, Vanatan, the really tall kind of skinny looking ones that you'll see on the website, and the the balconies you're talking about are like these the full length kind of windows that are on each level which make which are really big so they're great for putting your hand in and moving a miniature uh, around but as you were saying as well it also creates this kind of the building goes from a rectangular shape to a remember my schooling what's that shape that's like a square with a triangle stuck next to it i don't know is that a name a trapeze no not is that a trapeze i guess it's like a trapeze i don't know the, the, can can be all in the pa- parallelogram and depends on what you're actually visualizing. But I'm looking yeah, at yeah. But if you can imagine that kind of shape where you know you've got a corner that's cut out, so it's not a full rectangle. It's a bit more of a uh, and it, like you say, that kind of opens up a bit. There's less volume, I guess, there. And um, and given how big the windows are, I felt like it was kind of almost like a bit of a uh, like you kind of had to like 
there was a kind of kind of suspension of disbelief there because you could clearly see the guy on the other side of the building because the windows are so fucking big. Um, but you can't see him because technically we're playing this as a rectangle. To me, I was like, no, just like you can see that guy because these windows are so big. We'll just play them that, like that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the the um at at those buildings. Yeah, if you play them as a, a rectangle, you probably give it about a third extra volume. Mm-hmm. You just, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, and yeah, it it you got to look at when, when you're talking about that sort of stuff. You got to look at the table and decide whether if you can see through every single window, whether it'll even be possible to like avoid an ARO or to actually hide. Because some, depending on what your train is, you might have so many windows across your um uh, across your train that you'll never be able to move safely, and the game will just grind to a halt. Exactly, and that's what I mean when I when I said that you really need to take into account the entirety of what the table is looking like because if you want to play it that way on a table that's got loads of windows on every single side of every single building, then you'll always be able to see somewhere. And you may as play on a flat open board. For oh, some Imagine that, my goodness. Mm. Sniper, sniper um, city. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we, we, we're kind of having a bit of a chat about this because there was also recently an event. Was it over in WA? Yeah, can't can't con three. Can't con because mm-hmm. because they well, can't they, go to they, def- they, they they definitely can't right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. We knew it would happen. Yeah, the uh, Penguin's Revenge finally uh, <laughs> finally <laughs> seated itself, jumped the border. The toilet the toilet paper um, massacre of twenty twenty one has finally hit WA shores. But um. Yeah, so because there, there was a the tables were posted up on the Infinity Australia page. Maybe it was it at WCGs. Well, perhaps I'm not sure. Possibly, but, yeah. Um, I saw them on I saw them on Infinity Australia, and looking at some of those tables, I, like compared to what we normally play on, I'm like that would be like horrendous to have that much open space on yeah. the table. Yeah, like having having had the pleasure of playing with those guys over uh, at the end of twenty uh, twenty. Um, I, I thought that some of them were quite open, um, and I didn't. I don't. I don't think they're 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 bad. It was mostly just a oh, this is different. Um, yeah, very very different to what we are used to playing over here in Melbourne. Yeah, mm. we definitely play. I think we definitely on the whole play more dense tables, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we like all love war bands and we all love like direct tempo weapons. We just, I don't know. Maybe we. I don't know. We it's, just... it's. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. It's because we are spoiled with. Some people who have just got some absolutely amazing talent yeah. in their terrain building and terrain painting that it would be it would be a, a travesty not to get as much ta- of their terrain on these tables as as possible. I'll take you that one. Hmm. <laughs> so, like, so some of these tables just look so good, and like, you like, yes, it's it's packed. Um, I can't fit my Land Raider Redeemer between those two buildings, sort of. Thing. <laughs> um, thanks, Julian, but. Um, but yeah, like, and they're fun to play on. I think. I think there's a there's a real there's a real um, cinematic aesthetic. I think we go for in in Melbourne. You know, back when we used to play in House of War, and we had Asher's tables with the um, beautiful city, like with the different levels and the cool buildings, and it really felt like you were playing in a in a on on a map on like something like Battlefield or Call of Duty. You know, it had a real feel to it. Um, and when you like plonk down six six buildings on the table with some scatter, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I think when you're building a table, not that we, today's episode is talking about table design mm. and things like that, we'll move, yeah. but you, you, want, you want the table itself to be able to tell a story, right? You want to look, be able to look at that table and understand what is, what is going on here. Like your, um, Kev, your outpost table does that really well. Mm-hmm. Where you look at that, you can see what this place is. You can see, like, it's, it looks lived in. It looks like it's, it could be a real place. I feel like my city table does that as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's dense enough as, like, a sci-fi city block type thing. It's got a few buses and trucks and things on the roads as well. So it looks, it looks lived in. It looks um, like it has personality and that it tells a story by itself. Yeah. I like, um, and I guess just to add a bit to that, I, I like when I design a table to um, add like fun little Easter eggs for players. Like they will look at a table and be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is it. And then they'll play it and they're like, oh, I can access this rooftop by getting on top of this garbage can and or you know, oh, I can get across this rooftop, or I can get, I can get around this way, and and it feels like they're kind of finding out new ways to approach the map by just playing on it, as opposed mm-hmm. to being like, oh, well, these these are obvious the fire lanes, this is the obvious way to go up this flank. Whereas even when I play them, I'm like, oh, oh, this is cool. I didn't, this was not intentional, but look at this. There's like this little cool little alleyway here that you can go through to get you know around. So I find that's that fun. On that, Kev, with your tables, because you've probably got three tables now. Yeah. Do you set them up the same way each time? Like, have you got a set way that this this table is is to be laid out, the or do you just out- kind of win? The outpost table has a set way of going together, um, but I have been playing around with because the way I initially planned it was to have the barbed wire fence type of thing. Um, and because some people don't necessarily like, like DMZ, that, wasn't it? it was supposed to be like a like an outpost that had been surrounded on all sides by the combined army, and then oh, or okay. by 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 some enemy, and then um, it was attacked from all sides, which is why some of the fences are down, why some of the why the gates busted open, why there's like cars and like things flipped, and then it sort of deserted in the middle. Um, but like the fences can sometimes prove to be problematic for some missions, um, given that the you have to like climb over them, um, unless you find a hole in it. Um, I have moved away from doing that and doing more kind of traditional looking tables. Um, so there's yeah, there's definitely one way it can go together, but there's multiple other ways that I keep finding to play it. Mm. So it's it's lots of fun to try to. I should really take a picture of one of them, and like just you know, as a way of reminding myself of to build it, because every time I'm like, how does this go together? And I'm like spending 20 yeah. minutes trying to put it together and it's it's annoying. I'd rather just know how to do it. Yeah, because that's what I've, that's exactly what I've done with my city table is I set it out and the way that it's been set out, I took photos from a few different angles and then when it gets played on, that's the way that it goes. Yeah, no, I need to do that. I know they... Um, uh, Viv at Knights of Dice when he went when, back when he used to run the um, Thursday nights at the pub, he had a whole bunch of boxes with terrain in it, and he had taken pictures of all of them and says, "This is how the table can go together if you want it to," which I thought was great for like pickup games when you're just like trying to get in there, play a game in an hour, boom, done, and it plays well for Infinity, and you can put it away again. So I should really do yeah. that myself. Yes, you should. Mm. Okay. So uh, that was a tournament. Um, have uh, we play? <laughs> and again, well done. And congratulations to Julian for taking out the top place. I'm sure we'll hear all about it next time. Um, That's it. What uh, What other games have we been playing? 
Oh, um, oh, oh. So I do have to talk about one other game, actually, which is Kev, the game that I played against you on Saturday night, two nights ago. Um, and yeah. so I've been talking a bit. Of, I've been talking a bit. Let's of do shit, it. Kev, Let's do because it. Because you'd, um, with you and I, I've probably played the most N4 games against anyone is against you. And I reckon that was probably our fourth game. And uh, we'd, up until that point, I'd had two wins. We'd had one draw. So I, I yeah, I had been, I had been um, <laughs> thrown down the smack talk saying that Kev's never been to me in N4. He's, he's rubbish at this oh, game. Oh, the, gr- the group chat was like filled with it, yeah. And then, um, there, yeah, then I turn up to Kev's house last night and just get my heart ass absolutely handed to me. Absolutely. Homegrown was, advantage, you see. That's like, what it is. Like, I, I can't remember <laughs> the last time I lost a game that badly. Right? Not the Shaz list, Kev? I was the Shaz, it was Shaz Vasi versus uh, White Banner in Frontline. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bloodbath. Kev, you tell, tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> oh, God. So I'll preface this first of all by saying that I've been, the last three games of N4 I've had, I've been um, trying out malign profiles. So for those of you who don't know, um, there is a little blog called Bromad Academy, which is run by um, John Wise Kensai, and he is one of the hosts of the Dice Abide podcast, which is actually an excellent podcast. And if after you finish listening to this one, you should definitely look for those guys because um, they actually live stream their podcast every week um, without fail and like don't do any editing. Yep. Kev, are they giving us a plug in exchange for this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. Yeah. <laughs> How much money are you getting for this, Kev? <laughs> I'll probably be on a, on on the show at some point, so I'm just like talking it up. Um, yeah. So anyway, they, yeah, they they do a live stream, and they're they're very good for having no editing and just kind of like talking shit for um, a couple of hours. But um, they do have challenges. Um, um, John runs that blog like I spoke about. So every month he has like a, a challenge. So, like last month it was like use AD or use hidden deployment. And then this this month it was use a profile that you think is poo or that you maybe didn't run an N3 and want to try an N4 or something like that. So I decided, well, I'm going to run Shaz and the profile that gets the most amount of shit in Shaz is the Jace because, well, let's just, let's just briefly talk about Jace, first of all. They're, they're like... They have everything, right? So they're like light infantry with um, MSV1, Mimitism Neg 6, a plethora of like short range weapons. They're excellent in close combat and they are, well, that's basically them, right? And, and they can harass, right? However, they're like, their cheapest profile is 25 points. Their most expensive profile is like 38 points and they have zero armor and no like, like there's just one wound, right? So they're very easy to kill. And they, they're just kind of a weird profile that sits in Shaz where you have like things which are clearly good, like Caliban. And then you have things which are like clearly good for the point cost, like Sea Soldiers and Nox Troopers. And then you have these guys who are like, well, I could have two Nox Troops or I could have one Jath with a submachine gun. And you're like, you know. Um, so anyway, I thought I'd try them. And I played three games with them, and my last, my most recent game was against you, Nick. So, um, I thought the game went pretty well, uh, for me. Um, but 
I mean, to be to be fair though, the the table was, I think, quite dense, um, and it it didn't take it didn't take me too many orders to get a Jath with the Red Fury into sixteen inches of your Shangji, um, and then it yeah. kind of, um, and then with the help of the Speculo to like reduce your five man link to a four man link, you opted to dodge, which then I bet the you know bet the Shangji and then. Kind of like went about, went about my way trying to like kill all the rest of your stuff, um, but it was a it was a good game, um, but I was it was yeah, yeah. I I, um, I I brought a Hundun yeah uh, uh, hidden deployment uh, either heavy sniper rifle or right. heavy rocket launcher, mm-hmm. so I brought the heavy rocket launcher along, put it on the completely wrong side of the table apparently, and. Um, <laughs> Shot at some uh, bloody um, what are they called? Tigers. Those tigers. Tigers. Yeah, I killed two tigers with it, which is what, like twelve points. And Ten, um, yeah, sure. And okay, <laughs> okay. And then, but one of the tigers, because they got like six six move, was had moved far enough to get in range with its chain colt, and then I failed armor save and died. So. <laughs> I was really worried about the Hundun. So, actually, going back to what your what first you question were, was. Which, which I thought was interesting because it's not something that I've ever tried before. Um, I've never really had that kind of a surprise, real, like a real proper surprise unit like that, um, that's hidden, completely hidden deployment and then comes out in ARO. I've never done that before, ever. But, like, as soon as we start to set up, you were like, ooh, I think you've got one of these hidden boys. I'm like, how the fuck would you know that? <laughs> I was like... I think it's because I'm still traumatized from when Trent noctiferred me like before Christmas uh, or after Christmas because I was like, no, I'm certain you've got a Hundun. And so I um, first like one of the the first orders of the game was I moved my link team using cautious move to get so that I couldn't ARO on it. Yeah, not that he was in the the wrong side of the table. Yeah, he was not even in line of fire anyway, but uh, it was there was like, nope, this isn't happening again. Nope, 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 nope. Um, um, And actually going back to what your, your, your first question was, which was. Where did you go wrong? We were playing frontline. I won the roll off and I elected to choose sides and you chose and I said you deploy first and then you said, Well, I'll go second. So it meant that you had that innate disadvantage of me have me being able to basically counter deploy you and go first. That's right. And again, that's something I've never done before, but on a mission like frontline that is scored at the end of the at the end of the game, mm-hmm. um, going second is uh, highly preferred. Massive advantage it is definitely going first, and it's one of the few missions where I would consider deploying first and going second. And I think in the because, past, because you kind of have to, otherwise your only your, your other option is to like really hit your opponent hard and kill everything um but if you don't have the ability to do that then you kind of up shit creek yeah frontline is one of those sorts of missions where you really got to have a good game plan going in if you're going if you're going first um as to what to do but um as it was it was i counter deployed your rushi with the speculo mine layer and then first order ran into cc with Legong, who is like in your link Killed him. The Spectacle died in, in return, which was fine. Uh, the mine went off on your Shang-Gi, and you rolled abysmally for the armor save and lost a wound. And then I moved the Link team up and shot you again 
So this was what this is this is this is why I like Jace. Is BS twelve MSV one mimetism neg six in a in a link is with a red fury is five dice on twelves against pretty much everything. That's in good range, and then you and on return would have been two dice on fours with the mm. Shang Ji because you lose the plus three bonus because you're down to a four man. You're within sixteen, which is neg three for cover. You're 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 at neg twelve. Yeah, you are at neg twelve. So actually, you're on. T- Choose. No, I'd be at nine. Three for cover. Six for mimicism. Three for cover. Zero range ban. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Nines. Yes. You're right. Which is why you'd be on fives or fours. Were you BS 13? Yeah. 13. So fours. Four fours. Sorry. Sorry. Four. Under four. Under. Yeah. So, you know, fours are target number, whereas I'm on five dice on twelves, which is like, like, that's a, like, it's not like, groundbreaking but when you're comparing it to someone who's on fours it's a pretty decent number which then force mm-hmm. you to dodge um yeah which like dodging yeah, is i think i like failed the dodge anyway so no you actually ruled really well for the dodge i just managed to rule on 11 and then you failed one armor save and went down it's one of those sorts of it's one of those sorts of things where like you know law of average is like you should tank this armor save and you didn't um but so that happened and then um your first turn, you went on a bit of a rampage actually with the Rushi because I managed to take it down, but only to unconscious. You ran your engineer over, repaired it, and then sort of tried to sort of gun for a few of my bits, which yeah. So I, I like I spent all of the orders in my second combat group moving the engineer over to repair the uh, Rushi, um, which really, in hindsight, the engineer probably could have deployed a little bit closer to where the Rushi was, um, but then. Uh, I ended up spending all the points in all the orders left in group one on the Rushi to go around and kill some stuff. He managed to do a bit of damage. He took out, I think I took out all of your Tigers. Um, I eventually took out all of the Tigers. Yeah. Um, but he didn't really kill much else, I don't think. Oh, they, they, yeah, then he tried to sort of cr- shoot the stuff that was way over across the other side of the table, and that was a bit more difficult. I think you did manage, had- you managed to take out the TR bot, all my Tigers, and my Echadron. Sorry, yeah. not the Ekadron. Yeah, the Ekadron. Yeah. Um, um, so that was pretty good. But then another mistake I made was deploying, it was dropping my uh, Tiger Soldier in. And then I'm like, oh, I want to keep him out of line of fire of these two guys and also far enough away so that this guy can't hit me with the flame, heavy flamethrower or light flamethrower. Oh, light flamethrower, yeah. yeah. But then when I actually put him on the table, I completely, like, my mind just had a mind fart about the flamethrower bit and put him, like, way too close. Um rather than a little bit further back, like literally two inches further back and he would have been fine. But and it would have been exactly the same in terms of the line of fire that he was that he was copying. Yeah, so, that's right. A few mistakes there. Yeah, a few mistakes there. Um the Yeah, but it was it was good. Um it was fun. I um coupled with the um I took a Malignos again to try him out as opposed to a Noctiver. For three extra points, I think I rate the Malignos Multi Sniper just as a sort of in missions like Frontline and Supremacy, where he is already out of the DZ, so he already is scoring. It's it's quite nice, um, especially because people are expecting like a Noctifer from like certain angles in the DZ, and then you have like across the board shot with the Multi Sniper is quite nice. But yeah, no, it definitely took me by surprise when he when he popped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and having things further up the table which are decent points value and also being hidden deployed means that I can't really counter it until you reveal him yourself because there's no way for me to know where it could 
possibly be, or even if it's going to be there. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that was on. Uh, so we played that game on, like, like you say, uh, on your, like you said, on my Brutal Cities table, which um, I posted up on the Brutal Cities Facebook page earlier on in the day, going, "Yay, we're playing! This is my finished Brutal Cities table. I was really happy with myself." And then Ryan responds and says, "Do." You- are those planter boxes finished? And I was like, ah, oh, shit. No, they're not. Are, are you, you going to put some plants in those planter yeah. boxes? Or, or <laughs> I was like, just, uh, okay, boxes. it's almost finished then. <laughs> We're nearly there. I just need to get some, need to go to like the lo- local aquarium store and buy some things and then it'll be done. So I'll be quite happy then. And actually, I think it'll look really nice with those little bits of plants in it. It'll break up the, the blue and gray quite nicely. So, um, so yeah, that was our, that was our game. And Jacob, Jacob, you and I, we had a game. We did. As well. Uh, literally, like, what, two days before you had the game with Nick? Yeah, I was trying to squeeze in all those um, games for the Bromad yeah. Academy because I really want to win. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so that was we, a... We definitely did uh, get the show off the Jace a little bit in our game. A little bit, yeah. So we, we played Panic Room, which is the first time I played that mission. And um, I actually think, reckon it's one of my favourites for Season 12. Um, I, yeah, I, I, love, I love an armoury mission. And this one is... Um, is quite a quite quite an exciting uh, mission, I think. Jacob, do you want to, do you want to talk about our game? Uh, yeah, um, I was I, I I've got a couple of uh, armies that over quarantine I've been collecting, putting together, not painting, unfortunately, uh, that I wanted to try out, and I've really wanted to give uh, Tunguska or Tunguska a um, a try. Mm-hmm. Um, with a particular list. Uh, so I had one game with them. Um, still wasn't sure about them. Had another game. Uh, but uh, testing out an army doesn't really work when you forget two very important rules and two very important profiles. What, what were those rules, so, Jacob, that you forgot during our game? They were, I forgot how they changed full auto. So I forgot that uh, the Cruiser Borat had uh, Mimitism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more importantly, I took the Grenzer with Marksmanship and completely forgot that it had Marksmanship. Do all Grenzers have marksmanship, or just one with a sniper? No, profile? so there's two. Mu- there's two multi-sniper profiles: one with marksmanship and one without. It's about three ah, point difference. I thought they all had it. I thought they were like bolts. Ah, I see. No, they've all got MSV one. Ah, right. Okay, that's probably where I'm getting confused. Um, hmm. Which is sad because, like, the, if I remember that it had marksmanship, it wouldn't have changed so much anything that you would have done. But it would have changed. I probably in that case. Would have given you, or would not have gone into the panic room as much, because you were running Sheshkin. If I had remembered I had um, marksmanship, I probably would have had my Grenza staring at Sheshkin, trying to make sure she couldn't move. Because getting you rid of her nano screen would be brutal. Yeah, you would have had a better chance, definitely in a face to face against Sheshkin with that. And then same with the Kreza. Um mimetism would have reduced my fifteen yeah. to twelve. So. Yeah, those those were some those were some mistakes, but otherwise, I had a really fun game. It comes with learning. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Uh, it comes with learning a new army, um, and yeah. uh, you know, Percy learning you know gross. the changes to control and puppet master. Puppet oh master yeah, that was actually an, an interesting interaction that we had in our game because um, puppet master, like the puppet bots, I know have changed now. The peripheral control is is different in that you can move the puppet master around whereas before you couldn't yeah but you did something to me on turn three which i was like surely that's not right mm. that was which when, is um mm. they they now act like 
it's essentially the same as uh, peripheral synced or what we used to be G synced, except instead he's synced to three guys instead of one. Yeah, that you can still you can still move the um, controller and fire with it, as well as with the spearhead from whatever the uh, control peripheral is. Yeah, so 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 the example was like earlier on in the game, you know, you had <clears throat> it was your active turn and you moved out with like two puppet bots with boarding shotguns, and then you're like, oh, hang on, only one of them can fire, so obviously you know move one into line of fire and the other one will stay out of line of fire, and then you shoot with the one that's in line of fire. I was like, yep, that makes sense. And then in turn three, you had, you moved your puppet master into line of fire of Sheskin and also the puppet bot with boarding shotgun into line of fire of Sheskin. And I was like, oh, well, only one of those guys can shoot now. And you're like, no, because they're synced. I was like, oh, so suddenly the puppet master does become quite, um, I mean, obviously if it goes down, it's bad, right? But that was a nice little, that was really good. Like in one order, you could do what a peacemaker does. But it means now that like the hacker profile on the puppet master makes sense because before I guess it was it was weird that it even had a hacker because it couldn't it couldn't AR or do anything. It couldn't do anything, yeah, like, unless unless you just took it by itself, uh, yeah. Yeah, until you lost the squad. Yeah, yeah. They, they, were, they were so tough before you would never lose them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so that was good. And Perseus, I've still learned as a as a as a jerk. Um, he's he's yeah. a dick. We don't we don't like Perseus. Um, he's really good. Um, but I did also yeah, I, discover. I, I, I just, sorry, I just compared the. I just compared the two profile. I didn't notice he got quite the boost he did, but it's pretty incredible. Yeah, he's real good. Um, but I've also learned that um, Jace are really good in, in CC because they have Natural Bone Warrior as well as Martial Arts Level Three, and a DACC weapon, and their CC twenty three. I think it is. So yeah, um, yeah. So I ran in that in that game. So in the game against Nick, I ran. Um, Agent Dukash, Red Fury Jath, and the Chain Rifle Jath. And then in our game, I ran Sheskin, Victor, and the Chain Rifle Jath. And the Chain Rifle Jath is the cheapest one, and I'm actually thinking it's a great little addition to a Harris. Because because Shaz have access to quite a few decent wild cards, like um, Victor, Sheskin, Dukash, and um, Korax. Yeah. They can sort of slot themselves into like a Harris of this Jath with two chain rifles because he's got two chain rifles, EM grenades, and EM mines. He's he's a little ripper. Like for twenty five points, just being able to be like burst three chain rifle in the active turn if he's in a link. Here's a here is an EM mine. Like in my game against Callum, which was the first game I played, turn one I moved up, killed a few of these things, then climbed on top of a building. And then put an EM mine at the bottom of the stairs. If anyone tried to come up to them, it's an EM mine. Like like everything except for like Morats is going to be scared of an EM mine. So for twenty five points and being able to do like a lot of stuff um, is yeah. I'm like starting to come around to them. Like I think you have to build your list around them a bit because they're not they're not cheap enough and they're not flexible enough to sort of just yeah. slot into any like. I think the big, the big, th- the big reason that Jates feel a bit awkward is the fact that they've got no sort of forward deploy and they're, you know, slow. I mean, they're, they're not, only not four four, yeah. They're four four, yeah. Um, but the, you know, one thing that'd be really good is they they'd be a great defense for like a um, what are they, the Guelos, Guelos. 
Yeah, but they, they got can't... all the templates and mines and everything like that. Yeah, but they, oh, no, they, they, they can't, can't mix. Yeah, well, not. You, but you're right though. That was something else I was going to say. And then remember that Guaylos don't. They can't go into the same link. But that would be a really good little addition. Um, but yeah, no, they um, and they've got great models as well because I've got the I put together the Defiance ones and the Red Fury Jath is a or one of the whatever the Jath is. I think he's got a Red Fury or a shotgun. He's yes, massive. Yeah. He's so big, like he barely fits in the S two. The chain rifles on the um, the Jace the chain rifles are the biggest chain rifles. Normally, like the really like small, skinny, S- sort skinny of ones. Yeah, they, they look like they look like bolters. They look like s- s- they, space yeah, they bolters. do. They do. They're they're really um they're really cool. So I definitely want to keep running them. They've got um they've got a release in uh, January. There's a box with two jates and a tiger creature. A tiger creature, yeah. That's the Pet Patrol one. I, I ran that one against you, Jacob, but I didn't actually end up using it at all. <laughs> no, um, it never just, moved. It just sat there next to the biotech vor antenna and then died. Although, in, 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 well, it, no, it didn't die, but you, you lost the uh, the little... No, you didn't. That's the one thing. The little uh, the little dude survived the one armor save you had to take. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, the, the, the Pet Patrol Jace is, is a really odd one because the tiger that's synced to him gets mines, which sounds cool until you realize you'd rather have a chain cold. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, oh, I come around the corner and place a mine. You're like, eh, well, it's sort it- of... Like it's kind of the it's kind of the same as if it did have a template. Is just you have to waste in order to put the mine down first, and then you come around the corner. Yeah, but it's, then it uh, starts to make the same decision of dodge the template, dodge the whatever the Jath is shooting. But the problem is, is you just have to waste an order to get it to work. Yeah, but then but then like you can't do the like, cool little arrow fork where you like you know come around the corner with two different things and be like which one are you going to shoot at because the tiger doesn't have anything to shoot at, and you can't like. You can't like shoot with the, you can't you can't simultaneously shoot with the Jath and place a mine with the tiger because they're two different skills. Could run into close combat. They, but they both have to run into close combat then, and then the, and then we come back to the problem with Jaths in general in that so many things in in four now have templates, and Jaths are armor zero, and also yeah. Jaths effective range bands are zero to eight or eight to twenty four. If you Although- lose. The, you know, if you lose the Red Fury, then all of your weapons are zero to eight, which also happens to be template range for a lot of stuff. Depending depending on what army army you're playing, and I know you can't really tailor your list for an army. They do have BTS six, so they would fuck up Aleph t- um, templates because they're all nano pulses. That's just true. No, it, BTS six is is like fine, I guess. You know, like cool, but no, I think I agree with you, Kev. Though that like templates would eat these things up. Because, oh yeah, yeah. Like they're sure. hiding, they're hiding behind the neg six mimetism. Yeah, and once you hit them with a template, nobody cares. Exactly. I mean, like, and what's what is cool is they, you know, they do have chain rifles mixed with the MSV one makes them pretty useful. You know, to counter people who are trying to throw smoke and get into you. But uh, like, well, they've also don't have stealth, so you can always try and dodge to face them. But look, they do have what I reckon is probably you know uh, I think it was mentioned sometime on either one of our chats or one of the Facebook pages is that you can take a Jate and almost fearlessly throw it into like a Musashi or um uh, Yeah, and he it? will eat he yeah, will eat that. Because you're probably gonna well, you're gonna have a better role. I don't know if you're gonna win. Um True. because that natural warrior martial arts just it is probably now like the best combination for um a close call like a 
hand-to-hand uh, model because you just get rid of all of their, well, you get rid of martial arts and you've got a decent level of it. If, it, I mean, it, it, if you're happy to lose your unit as well. That's that's the other thing. Because they're oh, one Oh, wait, no, sorry. I'm thinking of Berserk. Never mind. Yeah, you're thinking of Berserk. But, yeah. but, but true, what, yeah. That was what the Tiger has. But like, yeah. if you really want to stamp, like, stop the bleeding, and you've got a temple weapon, just put that down in the jeth, because like they're probably going to fail the armor roll and die. Um, yeah. And then the the other issue, and I'll we'll move on from this because obviously this is not the topic of conversation. But um, you mean we're not supposed to be talking about mod- uh, profiles that everyone thinks are shit, but then we think they're okay, but then it turns out they are actually shit. <laughs> I'm going to keep running. About, we're talking about the one loadout that's the worst of a bad match. <laughs> The, the the yeah like the the red fury is I'm actually really happy with it. It also has EM grenades, which is nice, you know, as a deterrent if you're gonna try and you know get close to them. Uh, but <clears throat> for thirty eight points in one SWC, you could you could pay one, you could pay half an SWC more and get the Caliban MSV one Spitfire, who when they eat things in close combat get wounds. So yeah. that's a problem. But Mephism next six is actually really really handy. In face to faces, um, I think as I think as Rob said on a recent cast, or maybe it was his his uh, battle report um, channel, he said something that was like really resonated with me, and it's it sounds obvious when I say it, but he says like it's not always about the number of dice you're rolling, it's the margin of success which makes that which which also combines to make that more important. So like you know if you roll if you're five dice on twos. Like cool, you're rolling five dice, but you need like you got a ten percent chance of hitting. But if you're rolling like three dice on fifteens, that's way better. Um, even though you're rolling less yeah. dice. So for me, I was like, cool. Like with MSV one, I'm rolling five dice on twelves almost all the time, and my opponent is even if they're rolling five dice, they're probably hitting me on like fours. So I'm like, sweet, like this is fine. So anyway, that was that was all I want to talk about on that. Um, did we have any events that we needed to plug? Um, well, I'll just go and say that. Val- uh, do, you, do you have Do you have an event coming up, Kev? Yeah, I do. No? Yeah, I'm a little bit slack with that. I'm afraid I do plan to have an event at the end of February, but that might be a bit close now. The end of this month, okay. Yeah. Um, I need to figure out where I'm going to have it though. So stay tuned, folks. It'll happen. Something Something will happen. I'll make something in like. Maybe maybe mid March now. We'll 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 see. But I'm keen to get um back into tournament organizing because I think that's what helps build this um fun little community that or keep the community that we have going. Because I think I think by all accounts the tournament that you went to is a great success and everyone's like salivating for more games. Like everyone was just in such an amazing mood. There was just a vibe amongst the whole room because everyone was just so keen to play three games in a day and to see everyone it was great. Yeah, so definitely keen to get that back in, back up and running again when regular time in Melbourne. Cool. So uh, no, nothing else to say. We'll um, have a quick break and then we'll move on to season twelve discussions. In, insert insert bumper. <laughs> All right, so we're back, uh, and uh, the rest of the episode we're going to be discussing season twelve. Um, so I think, as Nick, you said, we put out quest where uh, we asked um, for our listeners to give us questions to discuss on season twelve. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to answer the questions that were asked and use that as a kind of format to go through the the changes. So we'll dive straight in with the first question from uh, from Val Sinison. 
our local Melbourne player, and he asks, um, command token use against limited insertion armies, uh, discuss. Then let Julian rant in that order, please. Well, sorry, we can't let Julian rant because he's not on the episode tonight, I'm afraid. But we can discuss how, how I guess, the changes or the removal bit of, bit of, of bit the... A um, bit of background for if we've got any listeners who, who didn't play in N3. I don't know if those people exist. But mm-hmm. if there's anyone who doesn't know what limited insertion was, back in the day, if you only took one combat group, then people weren't allowed to dock orders from you if you went first. Uh, in N4 and Season 12, this has been removed. There is no limited... No, limited insertion no longer exists as a term. And that's that's correct. And I think that's a great um, point, Nick, because we do have new players and who they might not know the um, vernacular. Like, limited insertion is, is a season... is an ITS term, not, and it doesn't exist in, the, in this ITS, so we shouldn't be using it. Yeah, so it came in about the same time that I started playing, which was probably... Season eight, I think I eight. Yeah, I reckon yeah, that's fine. a ta- tagline. Might have been. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, it was it was it was okay at the time. It was never like amazingly optimized, and it didn't really go particularly far, um, in my opinion. Um, does removing it have a hindrance on the game, mate? If you if you're taking ten models in an N4 list, those you've probably got 15 orders. Yeah. If you take a look at the armies that I suppose you would expect to excel with one combat group, so you take a look at your Invincible Armies, your Tunguskas, um, oh, I can't combined, think of any combined, other... Like, combined Army. Yeah, or like um, even probably military orders um, and stuff like that. Most of them have the ability to either give yourself extra orders, especially the Invincible Army, lots of tack awareness, NCO stuff. Um, or they've got counterintelligence, in which case you're only losing one. Or as well as you probably also have Strategos. Yeah, so I think with the exception of military orders, I think all of those armies you mentioned have either counterintelligence um, and enough NCO slash tack aware slash Strategos. Oh, I guess Melchior's itself it does have Joan, right? Does she have Stratigos? No, she doesn't, does she? I mean, Emma, Emma's getting Emma's getting refreshed next yeah, month. Yeah, true, true. So, so they might they might change anyway. Still, Phalanx is probably the better example. Yeah, so um, people were uh, a bit surprised by that. I think at first when uh, N four when um, season twelve dropped, they were like, "Oh, wait, where, where's limited insertion? We're like, doesn't exist." <laughs> They're like, "Oh my god, it's gonna you know break my ten order list." I'm like, "Eh." Don't think so, mate. mate yeah, N4 broke your 10 order list. If you were still playing that dog shit 10 order list when N4 came out, <laughs> then, I don't know, learn to play, scrub. Like, the, 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 the prices of a lot of units changed as well. A lot of them went down. So, if you're going to put your, if you're, if you're still having 10 orders, like, you're, you're probably stacking it with quite very good troops, I reckon. Um, and or, or, or at least, or, or double tags, you know? And double tags themselves generate four orders. So, I mean that's yeah. what happened with when I, you know when I looked at like still phalanx. I still think still phalanx probably is best at ten orders, but they got a little bit of that order stuff in it. But they also, I mean, there's shock immunity all over the place now. Mm. Um, for uh, for them, some like uh, Ajax, for instance. Um, I don't think he changed in points, but he lost berserk, gained mimetism, 
I think natural born warrior and martial arts level three at Fizz sixteen, which means if he hits you, he's hitting you on explosive nineteen. Uh, Fizz yeah, nineteen, and, and he and he um and he's you know still pretty cheap. But I think what yeah. for me, it's not so much what has what people have lost; it's what people have gained from this change. So now, mm-hmm. you know, before it was like. You're you're running ten orders, or you're running like fifteen to seventeen orders. Now you're running. You can run ten orders, eleven orders, twelve orders, thirteen. You can run any amount of orders as long as it's at least ten. Right? That's pretty much the consensus. There's no there's no longer any reason not to run eleven orders. Whereas before, if you got to like eleven orders, you're like, well, I'll just um, I'll just buff something. Right? I'll make this um line trooper a uh, slightly better trooper. But now you, there's, nothing, there's, nothing, there's no reason if you want to run eleven orders or twelve orders, go for it because you're not going to be penalised in any way. That's right, and, and you can have um, like in that situation where you might have this ace combat group that's got all these top dogs in there, um, but because these top dogs are now cheaper than what they used to be, you can still fit a few extra things in that it'll have be one or two troops that yeah. go in that combat group, so that when you inevitably take losses from your first combat group. You can move something over. Yeah, you can still backfill, and there's a whole bunch of profiles that give you plus one command tokens these days. So, you know, if you do have 12 orders, and literally your two orders are like two baggage bots that just sit in the back, do fuck all until like turn two, and you're like, oh, I need more orders. Let's just move a couple of command tokens across. That works. Um, It works in many other ways as well. Like, I think, Jacob, you were saying, like, before before we started the cast, it's like, oh, you know, you could put a Rajat in group two with maybe like one other order, like a flash pulse bot. And suddenly, you know, you've got a place to hide that Raja. I mean, you're maybe not hiding it necessarily, but it is the ability to be like, well, I've got 12 orders, but one of them's off the table in group two. I'll move it across into group one. Um, or you could start your game with like nine and three in a 12 order list. And that, I think it's perfectly serviceable, especially if you're like your three orders in group two are, you know, predominantly ARO pieces. So, or like yep. an AD piece plus two other orders, um, which I see, actually think is actually quite viable. Um, you know, and, if you, and a lot of the it. changes, a lot of the changes to, um, to like the points and stuff that you're mentioning before means that when you have that ten, that ten order list, um, you don't have what you used to have in uh, N three, which was you had your one or maybe two key pieces in those ten orders, and then they're cheerleaders. Now that everything's gone down in points. That ten order list generally has you know, your one main piece, and then maybe your like uh, you know your side attack piece, and then your backup, and then another backup. I mean, you've gone from having maybe eight, seven, or eight cheerleaders to maybe only like five or four. Yeah, no, definitely. There's certainly more space in your list now for you know a couple of competent gunfighters, or you know extra an extra tough button pusher. You know, like a, a great example for me in, in Hack Islam is um, I really enjoy running the, the Namur. I struggled to fit her into N3, but I think she's finding a lot more place in N4. Like a 44-point model that's a specialist with a Spitfire is, is um, you know, surprisingly easy to fit into my Hack, hack Islam list at the moment because of the ability that I have. I can run a 12 or 13-order hack list and not feel too hamstrung. Even though Hack Islam is a, is a faction that doesn't really get options, um, Access to too many NCO actually doesn't really get any NCO, I don't think. Um, or attack aware, or you know, outside of Saladin, really. Um, that's your that's your lot, you know, as far as you know, um, manipulating the orders. 
So anyway, I guess we all agree it's good. We don't really we don't really mind that it's gone. We're happy that it's um it's just basically allowed for more options for list building, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Jacob, if you're still worried about it. Yeah, if you're still worried about it, you armies have got strong. You're just gonna look for that strength that's been gained. It's just a change it's just a change of um change of um I don't know, like thought thought process for some people in uh, going from N three to N four, especially those who really liked running ten orders. It is a big meta change from late N three to N four. Sure, it definitely is. Work. Yeah. Um, is it Nick or Jacob? Do you want to do the next one? Yeah, I'll, I'll read the next question uh, if I can find it. Oh, I'm in the document already. Here we go. So, uh, Damien Ellies asks: So, free match removes the fifteen model limit. How will this affect the meta and casual play? Um, in all the games you guys have played at N4, has anyone even thought or considered or given a second's notice to free free? Negative. Match? Negative. I don't think we'll see this outside of uh, fun. Maybe, maybe help. Maybe I'll run a free match tournament in 2022 or like, you know, in 20, like 2021. I just had an amazing thought, right? Because there was a recent one of the in the past couple of years at um, at what's that big what's the big tournament that they run that CB runs themselves into um, Ontario, Ontario, right? They did it oh. as limited insertion. Imagine mm-hmm. the gall of CB <laughs> to come out and make <laughs> yes. and make Ontario. Oh my goodness! Imagine so, if that happened. Oh my god! So oh, I'd be so, I'd be such a troll. It'd be like so Everyone, all the top players in the world, have been playing fifteen orders for the entire year, and then see we're like free play. Go fuck yourself. Um, I, I, I reckon, <laughs> we're so I funny. Reckon, I reckon if that happened, I reckon even if they announced it a week before Interplanetary started, I reckon Julian or Gavin would pack up one of their like three <laughs> group armies and go there just to give the big middle finger to CB. Just be like fuck you. This is what I can't do anymore. I think I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, I mean, provided we can even have Interplanetario this year, but um, yeah. I like the idea. I'm really into no, that. No, I don't. I don't like the idea. I think it's a terrible idea, but it would it would be, it would be a so wonderful amount of schadenfreude. Yeah, but like, I mean, to, to, to go back to the question, how do we want to affect the meta and casual play? I mean, what is a meta? The meta is how people are playing, right? People are playing at... at uh, a tactical window because it's the standard type of play. How will it affect casual play? Well, people play casually. They play for practice for tournaments mostly from what from what I see, mm-hmm. or they play they play to learn how to play the game so they can play more games, right? And everybody's playing limited. So what's it called? Tactical window. Um, well, that's so that, that, that's, that, that is just now standard. Yeah. yeah, is it even still called that? No, it's just <laughs> it's, it's just like this is how you play. Called an army now. Yeah, so. Um, that's what the meta is, and that's what that's what casual play is as well, because that's part of it. So, yeah, agreed. I don't think we'll see too many of that outside of ooh, like narrative you'll, events or fun tournaments. You'll see, you'll see it when yeah, it's, someone just wants to uh, fuck around in a, a small tournament and maybe wants to see those lists again. Yeah, and no, I think I would like I would love to see the list, lists again. I think it'd be a nice little like you know breath of fresh air. I think, but. I don't know if we'll see it anytime soon. Well, I mean, we always used to have the the Melbourne four hundred point 
limited insertion arm uh, tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so why don't we flip that on its head? And yeah, instead of lead command, yeah, it's it's like yeah, six point scrubs Melbourne, um, yeah. and and have a four hundred point free match tournament. Imagine that. Prepare to see two combat groups of Delami just like packed to the gunnels. Yeah, like just Panzerfausts, Panzerfausts as far as the eye can see. Um, it'd be good. It'd be good at least one time just to be like, "This is why we don't play this way." Um, so I guess as a lead on to that question, because that talks about one of the an, an extra this season, there are a few other extras that CB have added, and um, so I thought we'd just like kind of go through them quickly and just like say like what we thought about what we think about them. So uh, one of the one of the extras is a reinforced command. So this extra is basically removes loss of lieutenant from the the game. So in a tournament setting, this extra would be in place, and then all three of the games would have no loss of lieutenant. What do we think about that? Well, given the namesake of our podcast, I am uh, I'm, I'm uh, kind of I kind of have to disagree with this because otherwise, yeah. what would we be doing? What right? would we be doing? Uh, fair, uh, Jacob. I mean, if you really wanted to uh, troll whoever comes to the tournament, you could you could put that extra in and then just do all the missions that don't have loss of lieutenant. Oh, I don't like, think you're, like, like decap and firefight and stuff. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, I I tell you what I think about it. I think it's a good little stepping stone from um, Code One. Yeah. So sure, cool. yeah, so, that's a yeah. good point. So Code One hasn't got loss of lieutenant. So maybe if you're doing a newbie event and um, people have been getting into it, they've just done a Code One tournament. The next one you would run would be this one because it'd be like, okay, you know, just you can still take your big guns on your lieutenant and still run them the way you want to do it. Don't yeah. have to worry about that. It's one less rule. Uh, yeah, go for your life. I think that would be oh, a quite a nice way. From, from the perspective of running like a slow grow, slow grow league or if you're doing like a series of tournaments for, for new people who are progressing from the code one environment into n4 i think this is definitely a um nice little on ramp to help mm-hmm. with that um does it have any functionality beyond that i don't think so no i don't think so um so the next one is called cqb uh so close quarter battles Close quarters um, battle. Now we saw CQB appear, first appear in special rules for some of the uh, the worldwide. Um, yeah, the campaign. narrative campaign. Yeah, narrative campaigns. Um, and as it. part of a narrative campaign, sure, I like it because it's like, yeah, you can't shoot a long way because there's a crazy snowstorm going. So that's why. Yeah. Or I think one of the other reasons was that it was like inside uh, close confines of a spaceship or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't shoot very long. Couldn't shoot very long because of that. I think um, that was an old mission that had it as well, like rescue or something like that, from an old tournament, like season like nine or ten. Could be, yeah, maybe. What do we think about an ITS play though? Like, do we think we'll see it used, and why do you think it exists? Um. So I made a point actually before we started recording, which was that the. And, and this kind of it kind of combines a close quarters close quarters battle, as well as the um, localized decompression zones, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about later. Right now, my point was that the only reason these two rules would exist uh, is because people don't put enough terrain on their tables. 
The only reason that you would need a, a rule that says you can't shoot over 32 inches or, or whatever it is is because your players are having too much opportunity to shoot over 32 inches and that is giving people a negative play experience. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Right. If if you if you play on if you play on a super dense table where there's only like two fire lanes that could be that long or three fire lanes that could be that long, then it's not an it's not an issue. Hmm. No, that's, I think that's a really good point. Um, because thirty two inches is not affecting a lot of things on our table. I know the game we played. I um pr- prior to us deploying, I was having a look and see where I could put the malignos. Some sniper that would get your HMG that might get like one of your HMGs per se out of 32 and there's literally nowhere on that table that you could get like you could see something that was farther than 32 inches away so it's not a problem for for people like you and I who play on who are used to playing on dance tables but I think on yeah something like that is one of those tables we saw in WA maybe that would be um that might it would also mean that you wouldn't be bringing your um your Kamau link or your Unidron link to the party yeah. because they wouldn't be able to take advantage of the rangements. Yeah, like I mean, if you do, if you were to run a tournament like that, then the types of lists that people are going to bring are going to be different to anything they've ever written before mm-hmm. because they're not going to take sniper rifles, they're not going to take missile launchers. It's going to be red furies and spitfires, HMGs, rocket launchers. Because you'll um, still take them, though. You just have to be a bit more pers- like you have to just kind of eyeball where the thirty-two inches. Yeah, I think I think you'll still take because I think HMGs are still great, right? And even sniper rifles because okay, they won't be able to range an HMG, but the fact that they can they can touch you up to thirty-two effectively is 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 reason enough to take them. You know, because their effective range bands is to thirty-two. So, and most of the time, if, to if be fair, got, you are fighting in a thirty-two inch range band anyway. It's unlikely. You've got the option to take yeah. a. To spend 1.5 SWC on a multi sniper rifle, or you can spend one SWC on a HMG. Um, I probably in that if you're not shooting, if you're never shooting over 32 inches, yeah, I think no, that's fair. Of, it it, it will deter. It will it will, it will deter the proxy proxy sniper or you know um, yeah sort of thing. I, I, you know, taking out your TR bot because the TR bot will will be able to shoot back most of the time. Mm. I think I think you're less you're less going to see uh, like you're less not going to see like multi sniper rifles and stuff like that. But you're certainly not going to see um, particular profiles like the um, Noctifer, right? Because mm. they tend they tend to sit well, they have to sit yeah, in your launchers are hard that way, yeah. Really far back, it, like the Hundun with the um, well, the X Factor becomes pretty much useless on, on the um, on the Hunden in that particular scenario because it can't act. No, there, there, there is an egg three range band up to eight inches. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's more there are certain profiles that only really excel at that those ultra long range firefights that when you have CQ uh, CQB as an extra, you're just not going to take them. Well, the, okay, so to go, to go back on to the other extra. So both these extras so far are just a way of um, uh, pushing you in a direction to take profiles you might not normally take. So like yeah. Reinforced Command, if you want to take your um, Zayden HMG or your you know Lieutenant or your um, uh, Shang or whatever the Zuyong HMG Lieutenant is, right, then you don't have to worry about it. You can take it without having the fear of having to take Chain of Command Right, and then same with CQB. You know, if you normally take the um, sniper rifle 
bloody whatever it is, um, infiltrator or something, and then you're like, oh, well, actually, no, I think I'll take the uh, the combi or I'll take the boarding shotgun or you know something like that. You will change what you take. So I think from that point of view, CB are just trying to get you to like explore other profiles and where they might be useful. Mm. I, I think, I mean, this is a total, total sort of aside to all the actual like ways that have changed the way you play is, and we'll get to the decompression zones, but CQB, you mentioned uh, we first saw, I, I think it was the Wotan blockade um, campaign. Yeah, it could have been the Wotan one. Yeah, probably the Wotan one, the one in space. Yeah, I think it was that one. That was also the one where we first saw decompression zones. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Places had decompression zones. I think because this season is about like naval combat, Cosmoflot and uh, yep. Starmark being like Seems, the naval. Yeah, no, um, definitely. Dude, dude, it's, it's sort of just their narrative flair of you can put these in and you can make a official tournament about boarding action now combat yeah. that we're dealing and, with. Yeah. And, and have every single table as a bug hunt table mm-hmm. and um yeah. yeah go for it i think that'd be cool every, every every single combat is technically we're not quite sure whether that army we're facing is eugene or pano or a bunch of shazvasi that have stolen their armor and i don't mind that if you use cqb and you don't and you, and you live in an area that doesn't have any bug hunt style tables then you can put cqb in and it, it acts as a fairly useful you know uh, way to play them you know, it, it, it adds a, a, an artificial cap on how far you can shoot so yeah from that point of view i would actually like to see that at least once um yeah so you want to move um, on to the next one double deck double deck well that i'm just gonna say it it's fucking shit and we're never gonna use it and cb what the hell were you thinking about what like okay. the, no we've, we've all expressed our opinions previously on what we think of the red classified objective deck which yeah. is that it's just it's too difficult right it's too hard if if you were to play in a tournament that had the red classified deck unless you were playing like highly classified or that other one um that's kind of like highly classified but not um, anymore does it if you unless you're playing one of those two um if you you would literally just ignore half of the classifieds that, would, that you would draw unless it's like coup de gras or something um so it's something real easy to do, but the but then this takes it an even, an even step further, where your opponent could draw both green ones and have a great easy time, and then you draw the red ones and you just like shit the bed. I yeah. I, I, I got I got to admit I do I do want to ha- do a tournament uh, with with double deck and highly classified, but do it as like a just tournament to torture like you guys don't do it it's just like, like an invitational where it's just like oh. like Julian like, four people or something. like people you know, who have played it before and could actually handle dealing with the red deck no no because like okay right so red deck I have no no real problem with right it's harder it's just plain it's just straight up harder it's just worse yeah. but when you say double deck and now you've got like half green half red and then yeah. you draw a red and your opponent draws a green you're like well shit I don't, I don't. I don't know why they did double deck. I don't know why they introduced this red deck and never, um, never bothered to put in. Um, Just make more interesting classifieds. Like really, that's that's all. 
you know what okay so what i would love to see from doing classifieds is have like a bit more mission like not mission specific but like um just have a bit more varied bit more varied uh classifieds like like um i've got i've got an idea on why they came up with the red deck and i think it's because they had a meeting about redoing the classified deck because uh it previously before they revamped it, it was there was ten different classifieds, mm-hmm. and you had four copies of each. Right mm-hmm. now, it's um, twenty different classified objectives, and you've got the red deck and the, and the green deck. Now, I think they sat down to try and figure out new classified objectives, mm-hmm. and this, this is the best they came up with, and they couldn't come up with any extra ideas. They got up to twenty, and they're like, "Holy shit, we've only got half a deck. Let's yeah. just use all these again and make them real hard." I, I don't disagree. I think, <clears throat> like, taking a leaf from, like, other games, like, um, uh, even um, something like 40k, right, where you have a classified or an objective that says, like, you know, kill the lieutenant or, you know, um, have three members of your team in the enemy deployment zone at the end of the game or, um, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, like, like kind of like predators or similar to that, we have to, like, kill three things in close combat. Just do that. Like, have one model take out three models in 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 with shooting this 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 game, mm-hmm. you know where it's a little bit more like re, more like recon, hard. you know, like and then separate into like different classifieds, like recon classifieds, like um uh, direct action classifieds, uh, sabotage classifieds, you know, where they kind of and then you choose a deck like based on that. So like my army is a direct action army. I'm going to choose a direct action deck. And then from this deck, I'll pick a card. Oh, this one says assassinate the most expensive thing in your opponent's army. Or not that you know the point cost, but you know what I mean? Like you just have to kind of... Oh, like yes, yeah. Yeah, and like that kind of thing. And then I'll kind of like I, fit... I, I, think, I think that's a great idea. I love it. It'll sort of fit with the theme of your army as well. Yeah. So, but anyway, double deck, trash, poo, not a fan. I I don't know why they never brought in. Like I was, I was waiting for it when they first brought out the classified deck, and then they just never brought one which was an extra of you use the red deck. Mm. They just never brought it out. I, I don't know. And now this double deck thing. You're right. If you're no, 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 no. no the, the using just the red deck was always an option. You could always choose to. No, but it's, it was it's called like, hard mode. It's called hard mode. It was like, oh, was it? Yeah, it's called hard mode. Okay, you just yeah, have, you right. have, have a tournament that's just all hard mode and everything's red deck. Yeah. Um, so we still have Soldiers of Fortune that hasn't changed um, that is still an SWC tax one SWC to use them and you get 75 points um, I never really used it in N3 I think I think it's fun, I think it's fine like being able to have McMurrow and um, Saito in every list is pretty cool but as long as, yeah the thing is that there's those certain al- amazing alpha characters like McMurrow and Saito that everyone wants to take Mm-hmm. And so, uh, with when you have this classified in play, oh, sorry, this extra, classified. yeah, in play, that's what everyone takes. Everyone just takes Saito. Everyone takes McMorrow, uh, or maybe yeah. Yan Yans, but like less so Yan Yans now because of the fifteen order cap, True. or for fifteen model cap. Sorry to um, use the wrong vernacular. Um, so I guess this this isn't an extra. Oh, sorry, you gonna say something? Oh, just the the main thing for the most part is it just gives armies, especially Pano, who have very poor smoke availability. Suddenly, you can probably grab two very good smoke uh, mm-hmm. tosses. That's yeah, fair. But is that, does that improve the game? I don't think so. 
No. Um, yeah, so this, this it, isn't an. This... I, I think it did really well in ECM the last time we used it. Um, but I feel like it said. I wasn't there, when, but it sounded like everyone just did the same thing. Every single player took Saito Togan. Yeah. Or, or, you, or Yojimbo or <laughs> McMorrow or that was it. Yeah. 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 So this isn't an, this isn't an extra, but it is something that has changed in in, in a season twelve is our table sizes. So like what we saw in Code One, where uh, for smaller games you had smaller tables. So from four by four, I think it's like three by three, and then the smallest games are like three by two or something like that. So I personally don't mind. Like if you have a like an escalation event where you have to change it. You just kind of mark it with masking tape and it preset the tables that way. I don't think it's too bad. Um, but I, um, I also don't mind just playing everyone, everything on four by four. Like just to make it easier rather than actually making the tables smaller. But when we played back when, back when we were playing code one and we were playing the 25 point games and they were on, um, Christ, what were they on? They were on, Three by oh, three or something uh, like 25, that. Twenty-five points was four by four. We was it four by four points. as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. maybe it's I'm thinking twenty. Two hundred fifty. Um, maybe I'm thinking twenty. Twenty. Maybe it's twenty points we played on. I quite liked that it was. Um, it wasn't as wide. It was like maybe three feet wide by four feet deep or something like that. Yeah. It definitely it compresses the action because it brings everything closer together. Yeah, and it um it, it makes more happen. It does, yeah. And I think from a newbie point of view, where you are trying to, because there's like, I remember when I'm like teaching a new player person how to play it, and we decided to play like a 150 point game. This is back in N3 on a four by four. You spend like the first turn just kind of like getting into position. Yeah. You know, like you really, in those sort of games, you just want to be like, you know, first turn, let's start, yeah. you know, let's start shooting. On a, on a 24 by 32 inch table, you are mm-hmm. already there, kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And I think I think it just makes it more fun games. You're really not very far away from your opponent at all. No, and 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 sure, like there can be some cases made for, oh, this makes sniper rifles too good, or this makes or HMG, sorry, maybe maybe too good. But uh, taking into context of who's playing on these t- kinds of tables, we're not looking at like top tier tournament yeah. players. We're looking at people who want to just get to grips with their army and like figure out what sticks, right? You know. Just be like, yep. hey, this guy with the rifle, like I want to get him into range and fighting. On a four by four table, he'll be lucky to get halfway across the board. We did, ha- we did have uh, a while ago. Again, this is going back to N three. We had, we had a hundred and fifty point uh, tournament uh, using the recon rules, and that had squashed down tables. It did, yeah. That worked and quite yeah, well. That, that worked really well. I mean, sure, if you were, you know, it was supposed to be a beginners tournament, and we had a lot of beginners come to it, you know, and. And so, yeah, there are some weapons that don't work as well, you know, because it's too easy to get into their shitty range mm-hmm. bands. But as far as doing a beginners tournament where it's like, I want people, you know, who who are interested and never played before with, you know, like maybe some veterans to help them out and stuff yeah. like that. And again, um, it just pushes your... Table just makes it easier. And it just pushes players into choosing different profiles. Like, you know, you and I, we played Panic Room, Jacob, and I took the sh- I took Sheskin with multi-rifle. And I'm like... Hot damn! Yeah, a multi rifle is really good with it when it's damaged fifteen AP. It's, it's yeah, and you've got that smaller space in yeah. which to fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so 
the, the Temple Sizzle is a good. I know, I know this is a real aside, but Warhammer has done the same thing, and people seem to like that. Seems to be yeah. Good. What is Warhammer's now? It's really weird sizes, it's just, right? It's, no, no. It's just it's just shorter. Just like they just the tables. So it's not six by four at all anymore. There's no six by four. Oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know the exact measurements. I just yeah, know that I, I, it depends that determines the table size. I thought I heard it was like five by three or something like, or something so yeah. like that. I was like, oh, but whatever. Um, Nick, do you have anything you want to add on the table sizes? No, okay. No. I, I think I think it's good. Um, yeah. I would like to definitely play like a smaller tournament. Um, but again, probably more for newbies. Uh, so they have a little bit on uh, civilians and baggage. So I just added this in here because obviously baggage wasn't included in the initial N4 release, but now everyone's happy that baggage is back, which then makes your eight point, um, baggage bot you like actually useful. Um, so that's good. What if I didn't realize that baggage wasn't added until. No, yeah, there was no baggage rule. Uh, sorry, there sorry, there was a baggage rule, but, um, ITS oh, added for like um, the baggage rule for like reloading weapons, but now the ITS rule lets gives you like the extra points. Twenty, the extra twenty points, yeah. Okay. So that means that we, that, that means when you have uh, the Magriba guard, she's like a hundred and eight points in a zone. She got baggage. Yeah, because she got baggage, baby. She got booty. Um, and then Sevies. Um, I think Sevies really haven't changed. Sorry, Jacob. Does the does the Maggie have a? Mind dispenser and can reload itself. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes oh, she can. She so can poop out four mines per turn. Me so boy. Um, and then civilians. I don't know. I think I just added this in because it was again a new thing for ITS. Just clarified how civilians work, and they work the same way as they worked in season eleven. And that you know you can lay a template they on them. They basically acted like they're not there. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. I don't. I think they do block line of. Site though. Oh right, no, it's because season yeah, eleven they did. Always neutral. Yeah. So in at the, I think the big thing now is that civilians used to. I think it was an N, maybe an N three rule or old tournament rules would stop templates, so you could hide on them. That's right. They used to. And yeah, um, season eleven now, fixed that. Now, now, now templates just. Completely yeah. ignore civilians. Completely ignore. Sorry, Nick, you're yawning through the screen, and I'm I'm watching it, and then I'm yawning as well. So sorry, um, sorry about that. Moving on. So um, who hasn't asked a question? Is it back to me? Yeah, so, that's me. Oh, Eric Jackman uh, asked us to talk about the new tournaments, uh, uh, new tournament point scoring. So he's referring to the fact that um, if you lose by rugby, more, if you rugby, win, rugby scoring. Yeah, so if you win by more than five, you get an extra point. If you lose by uh, two or less, uh, you get, you get yourself a point. Um, yeah, and see, uh, he says he, he appreciates the don't give up bonus uh, point. Um, uh, and he's but he's worried that it won't it lead to a ton of point spreads and increase uh, use of multiple tiebreakers. Or do the new missions of scoring look to lead more swingy games and thus cancel out? So that's a good question. Um, I remember when it was leaked that they'd be using some kind of rugby scoring system, and I was very excited because I think that um, creates a really great... Um, it's a really positive change to the game. Um, I don't know if they quite hit hit the mark on it, though, because um, in, in actual rug, rugby scoring, you get um, two points for a tie, whereas in Infinity, you're only getting one point for a tie. So it means that if you... Yeah. 
you get two points for it. It's like, it's like I think it's like two points for a tie, four points for it's like four points for a win, two points for a tie, zero for a loss, and you get plus one for five tries or more, and plus one for losing by less than two tries or oh, losing shit, by less. Right. Than... I, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was. Yeah, I, I thought a tie was in infinity. I thought it was a loss is zero, a tie was two, a victory is three, but then you get extra ones for other things. No, yeah. Was, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means that if you have a tie and it's like two all, then you get one point each. Yeah. And which is the same as someone losing and the score is uh, five four. Yeah. Or or five six five. Yeah. Actually no actually sorry, if you get six five you get two points and you get yeah, more points. If someone than- loses and the score is six five. Mm-hmm. They get two, get two points, which is more than if it was a draw. Far out. Yeah. So I feel like they missed the mark there. I feel if they made it like two points for a tie, yeah. then then at most losing and losing well would only get you the same points as a tie, rather yeah. than more than a tie. I feel like it. But at the same time, I think it does. Typically, if you have a tie, in my experience, a tie has been low scoring anyway. It's like it's either like nil nil, three three. Something yeah. boring like that. I have seen, I mean, I haven't, not in um, season 12 uh, points, because I haven't really had a massive look at all the scorings of every single mission. But mm-hmm. definitely season 11, uh, I saw, I had some like five, five ties. Oh, yeah. I think I had a seven all draw once. Really? That's pretty, I mean, I, I think th- I feel like old, draw. it was in old decap. Because you would have. You would have um, five points for killing the one dude with your one dude gets you five yeah. straight up. The oh back yeah, true. Yeah, it would have been that, and then you would have both killed each other's lieutenant. The one and then and they have fixed that. So I think I think it's I think it's good. Um, it does reward yeah. players. I feel like I feel like they have they could have because the other reason why I wanted them to make a win for four points would mean if you got the win, that's four points. If you got five or more points, that's five points. And then my brain. Counts up fives much easier than counts up fours. <laughs> from from the perspective of a tournament organizer, yeah, I mean. yeah. If you've won your three games, that's fifteen. Being able to tally the scores and everything, yeah, fair yeah. enough. That makes sense. Like fifteen points oh, rather yeah. than twelve points, it just feels better. So I feel like they could have done that, and it, I don't know if it would have. I don't think it would have changed anything. It would have made it look better too. Like I think, like there is always if if someone's getting absolutely thrashed, there is always the chance that they will disengage from the game. It doesn't happen a huge amount, and I know we try and, like, in, on an individual level, we try and not let that happen to ourselves, mm-hmm. but it can happen. Now, the way this scoring system works, it will, I think, it will uh, alleviate that somewhat because you still want to keep engaged as much as possible to try and get, to tr- even if you know you're going to lose, you can still try and scrounge for some points to get up those extra points. And, and and it also I think it maybe does it change the way in which you get the points. So in the old rules, you'd be like, okay, well I'll just deny you points so that you don't get five, right? You know, so that you uh, uh, don't get a major. Hmm. Whereas so, now yeah, you're 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 just trying to get more points to bring yourself closer to your opponent, or or right. to get yourself at five so that you can at least well, walk away with a point. Yeah, previous in previous. Um, editions uh, of the seasons um, if you were losing and then you fought hard to keep your opponent to a minor victory instead of a major you're just doing that out of spite at that point so that they don't get all the points 
Mm-hmm. Whereas now you don't have to do that out of spite anymore. You can do that for your own benefit to try and get your own points. Yeah. And so. I, I, I remember a lot of the time uh, when we were playing uh, tournaments, you know, you, you might be you know, talking to somebody or, you know, you watch, you talk, you talk about the game and it's really close and it always felt kind of shitty that that really close game that you lost never really sort of reflected in like the, the tournament score or anything like that. It's now nice to see that there's that thing of, Oh, I lost by one objective point, but I still get my, uh, my point. I, I, I always said, that you still I, get a I, point. I had, yeah, I wish they had a different way of doing the tournament points. I don't have any suggestions for them, but I, I wish that those close games could uh, be reflected somehow. And I think this is a good step forward. And the thing is your opponent's still getting three points. You know, and yeah. and their and their fourth point is not is not affected. Excuse me, it has no effect on what you do as the opponent. Yeah, they get to five; they're on four points. There's nothing you can do about that. Best you can try and do is get to two. So, I dig it. Um, so, back to me. So, Trent Fletcher. Trent Fletcher asks the change in missions, specifically the difference between the missions which award OP at the end of each round and those that award OP at the end of the game. How will these shape people's metas, lists, attitudes towards tempo, i.e., not alphaing and playing the long game, etc. So, what he's talking about here is there have there are about nine missions that have well, there are some missions which have changed from. Um, everything being scored at the end of the game to some points being awarded every round, um, which which I guess is, I think it's there to, um, you know, kind of re- reward that person who who wants to like keep basically focuses on the mission and doesn't focus on alphaing. So you're always gonna walk away with some points, even if you're like get absolutely creamed. Um, so like missions. That I've written down here that do award points um, every well, when I say every round, there are points that are awarded with you when you game. during the game. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think it's, I think it's easier to talk about it in the other way, like to say that there's a bunch of missions that are all scored at the end of the game, and then there's ones that are not all scored at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. You're right. Um, it's just that it has been it's broadened it's broadened a little bit because some of the missions. So for instance. Uh, capture and protect. Um, yeah, I was about to say that's a yeah, huge change. That's a different change. So whereas before, like you, you would hold, you could get the beacon on turn one, but you'd not. But if you weren't holding the beacon at turn three, then it didn't matter. Whereas now, if you hold the beacon on turn one, you at least get a point for every turn you hold it. Um, which is which is good, and um, that kind of maybe incentivizes a little bit of trying to get there early. Sure, it's only two points. But it's yeah. two points, you know. It's it's not it's not um, it's not nothing. Um, and then the other one is power pack, which is it's kind of a weird change. So the um, not the is it the console, yeah, the consoles in your DZ. If you are in base to base with the opponent's one at the end of each round, that's an that's an extra point, which seems like really hard to do, seeing it's in <laughs> as it's in your opponent's DZ. But I mean, there might be a there might be a way to do it, you know, if you have like um like a speculo or uh, an uh, like a rajat who could like walk on, throw a clips on the on the thing, and you know walk into base contact with it if you're going second. But I don't if you those consoles aren't the deployment zone anymore. Oh, sorry, not sorry. They're on the um twelve. Oh, they're, they're on the, on the sorry, right. not you. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Not on the deployment zone. They're in the 
the area in between the two DZs. So, yeah. No, that, that's, a good, that's a good point. You're right. It's not in the DZ, but it is so far back, you'd have to either have like an impersonator or someone with AD in order to touch it before the end of turn three. So, um, and of course, like there's other missions which we all know, like Quadrant Control, Supremacy, Armory, Panic Room, Countermeasures, obviously, because it's classified based, highly classified. Um, because it's classified based and biotech vor because you get three points for um, achieving classifieds which I personally always forget that that exists in biotech because you're most of your um, most of your mental capacity goes on staying alive and avoiding the biotech zone not getting three points on classifieds which is quite a lot of points really when you think about it but it, it always had three um it, it it did. I just I just kind of highlighted it yes, as and sorry. A just on on biotech, I'm just looking at it now because you've got uh, each player has three classified objectives, one objective point for each one. But then also, there's two objective points up for grabs to accomplish more classified objectives than your than your adversary. Oh so there's wow! Five objective points based on uh, classified objectives. Oh shit! I didn't, gr- I didn't notice that. And then great the other thing part about. Um, killing more army points than your adversary and then the actual amount that you have surviving is the final three points. Wow, okay, so half the um, points are, so you, if you want take, to Biotech Wars, yeah, it's 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 I, like, I you actually could, like that. You could play that like um, like highly classified, like just do the classifieds. Exactly. Mm, that actually, yeah, that really changes um, how you build a list for that, I think. Just um, uh, going quickly back to um. <coughs> To double deck, you could really see how that if you're just unlucky, you could really get stuffed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, if you if you come up and pull, you know, three reds. Yeah, that's a good point. And you wouldn't, you, we wouldn't do that. You're right. It would. Yeah, it's it's poo. Um, but what do we think then? Although about that sort of general sort of changes to with the way that like Trent's asking with the how, do you think that will affect alpha strikes? Will people try to be more? Um maybe conservative with the way the points are scored or focus more on the mission and not just like kill everything until turn three? Well, I think I think killing everything is still pretty good because if you're killing your opponent's stuff and they're not scoring these objectives which don't either necessarily. Um, yep. I think more so what it does is takes away the heavy, heavy lean on wanting to choose deployment and thereby not going first that certain missions have. Yeah. Um, although if it's scored at the end of each round, you still kind of want to go second on that. Yeah, I th- I think especially for capture and protect, that second turn, especially if you've got something like Shaz or something that can um, infiltrate right up to that beacon, mm. that second turn incredibly powerful because that's almost the only way you're going to be able to get those points, right? Because trying to get that beacon captured and held, if you go first is more than just a challenge. Yeah, no, I'd be, that's a I'd good point. Anyone, I'd be surprised if anyone, without without maybe, I, I don't even know, without maybe uh, a Dao Fei or something like that, mm. could manage to do that. I'd, I'd um, be surprised if anyone could manage to do that. And and I guess on the same, the same vein, uh, Panic Room and the Armory are also like scored... Um, at end of round and 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 at end of game. And if you're going first, are you going to try to? Excuse me. Are you going to try to like contest it, or are you just going to like 
kill your opponent and like claim on turn three. See, the difference with that one, um, and because I played uh, Panic Room on one of my TTS games, um, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get into the Panic Room until the final turn. I went first again, I and didn't touch the power of the room until turn three, and I still won. I like, I, I got a victory. And you know the I earned five points, so I got uh, another victory point. Mm-hmm. The scoring on that particular mission balances out going second really well. In that, if you if you go first and you focus on alpha striking and kill your opponent to the point where you can get that last turn, my guys are in the room, you win. Because the killing, the killing, yeah, the killing armies. I think that kind of applies with every mission that has this scoring at the end of the turn or the end of the round. But what I'm trying to think about here is: does having something score at the end of the round as opposed to the end of the game make um, any difference? Make any difference? Mm. Um, I, think, I think it I does. Think it, I think it means it that yeah, it makes it easier for you to because there's because there's less points in play right at the end it does make it easier to kind of rack up a few points here and there as you go um but in saying that it puts the pressure on i think i I do i do think i'm gonna go back to capture protect i do think that in some cases it's a it's a mistake um as far as like capture and protect goes i think at the end of the game capture flag thing was good uh for that one but I think for some other ones, the way they've balanced the point, having it at the end of the game round means that it's not quite as punishing to the person who's gone first. Whereas in like the say, like the second turn player can be conservative, rush in, let's say panic room again, rush in at the very end and just go, you know, halfway through the, his turn, if he's got 10 orders left, go, I'm not going to spend any more orders. Because like capture and protect, right? So the, the breakdown is this. At the end of each game round, have the enemy beacon captured. That's two objective points. At the end of the game, have the enemy beacon captured in your own deployment zone is two points. At the end of the game, have your beacon not captured, one point. So it's really, you have to have it every round in order to get 10 points. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So, so if, 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 you, if you have it at the end of the game, you get two points. And then you get an extra two points if it's also in your DZ. That's only four. Whereas if your opponent's had it for the first two game rounds, that's four. And then it comes down to classifieds. It's very... um. Whereas if you both just fight for it at the end, then the most points you're going to get is five, six if you get the extra classified. It's really not a high-scoring way of doing it. you kind of got to go in hard, go in, go in, go in hard and take it. Although it might be easier if you're going second, maybe. Well, if you if you're going second, you at least know that your opponent's not going to have as as much in his deployment zone because you'll have moved something out. Unless he's got a cutter. Yeah, or, and, and yeah. if 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 you're trying to win tournaments, you really want to be getting over that five point mark. Yeah. And so in something that's scored every round, it means there's a ticking clock, right? That every yeah. round that goes past that you don't score, you're getting further and further away from being able to get those maximal points. Yeah, it's like that. It's like um, it's like when I play supremacy. Like if if possible, I always try to get two points in turn one on round one. Like there's not normally it's like if you each have two because most of the time I played it, people are like, "Well, you take your two, I'll take my two, and then we'll try to like beat each other senseless on turn two and three. 
but you get nothing for turn one then. So if you but if you can if you can push hard and like take that third quadrant on turn one or round one, then you're already on two points and your your opponent now has to make up that 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 gap in, in two yeah. turns. Um so it's a sort of similar thing where if you have that like you say ticking clock, then you are putting that pressure on your opponent to be like, Oh, I've got I mean I've got to push harder now or I've got to find another way of getting points, be it through classifies or something like that. Yeah, and, so. and 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 pushing them to then sort of forcing someone's hand to make them push even harder that can lead them to making errors and things yeah. like that as well. It, yeah, certainly could. Or, or and also, but also conversely, like if you are just playing real cagey and and like waiting for the turn three and this, your opponent's, you know, being reckless trying to get points early in the game like supremacy by pushing all the buttons. I mean, supremacy is actually a bad example because you can just push the buttons back. But like, I guess talking about ways to get points without them being removed from you it could overextend you and then you know you could fall into a similar problem where you get your um you get your arse handed to you because you push too hard um cool so next uh nick is it you you up the next question yeah, I can read the next question. So, uh, Hugh Laid Willison asks, uh, do you reckon the capacity to run and hide with your own beacon will play a role in capture and protect due to scoring each round now? Well, we were just talking about that, actually. Um, well, fancy that. <laughs> um, well, I actually laid these so questions yeah, out in a particular order. <laughs> Funny that. Can you pick up your own beacon? I'm taking a look. Yeah, must be... No, because every, everything says enemy beacon. Mm. Yeah, I don't think it's, uh, it's, it's in contact with enemy beacon. I don't think I agree. I don't yeah. think you're actually allowed to pick up your own beacon. Yeah, I don't think you can pick up your own beacon. But um, on but but he's still correct in saying that it's due to scoring each round. So I reckon the scoring each round is important to protect your own beacon from from someone coming in and, and picking it up. Because that's two points, you know. If they can run away with it, you've really got to try and get them, and that'll stop, you know, to stop them from getting two points. That's quite important. Although, so. wait, there is a bit here that says that each model can carry a maximum of one beacon. As an exception, troopers possessing the baggage skill can carry up to two beacons. Hmm. So, if there's only one beacon each, why would they talk about carrying two beacons at once? I, th- I, I, I think, I think, honestly, I think it's um, copy and pasted from supplies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. Although it's not, they're not beacons, though they're supply boxes. But That's what I'm I saying, do... they're strange supply mm. box from. Okay. Well, if uh, anyone sorry, knows the answer I, to this question, please, uh, I, I, please I'll write go. in. I've got to go. I've got to go. You know, you got to go? go. Yep. Okay. Sorry. See ya. Bye. Okay, so we lost Nicholas. Uh, yes. Suddenly. Yeah. So it's just it's just the Kevin and Jacob show. Um, yeah, it is. I hope we've got some I, baby duty. Yeah. Well, Nick, I hope you're I hope you're doing okay, and the the baby the the baby is uh, also doing well. Um, so yeah, we were just talking about that. Uh, I don't know if we can pick it up, but if you can ask answer in the comments section, uh, we'd like to know. Um, I mean, if we think about it as uh, unmasking, which you could grab your HVT and bring them to an odd spot. If you could pick them up, yeah, it just feels wanky though, because it's like right on your DZ. If you just pick it up and walk away with it, I'm like, nah, mate. I would be like, nah. If if we're wrong, and that is a possibility, I would say more than likely, person going, like what? I I think that would all person going first. I reckon we just grab it and hide. Grab a 
cheerleader, flick him in the back. Yeah. They do it all the time. They take it on top of a building with 50 template weapons and you'd never see it. Because there's no reason why you couldn't, you couldn't do it with like a Nazmat. Just like walk a Nazmat up. Like yeah. have a Naz, like start a Nazmat permit. Well, you can't start it in base contact, but be like, my Nazmat's going to move like one millimeter to touch the thing and then five inches, five and in like almost six inches backwards and then pick it up. Oh, you've shot him? Cool. Well, now the beacon's like five, like six inches back towards my board edge. I think that, I don't think that is correct. Um, but anyway, um, sorry. Tristan, sorry. Thanks, sorry to Hugh. Oh, sorry. I want to ask the question. Uh, Tristan Kemp asks, what are your thoughts on the tag-specific options on the panoplies? I think they're lots of fun until someone gets total immunity. And then well, look, then, then, it's, then it's hilarious, personally. Oh, and it, the panoplies, yeah? Yeah. Uh, just, I just want to remember what they are. Uh, for for the, 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 the history um, uh, of it, what, you, what happened at one point is that people were asking the question of what happens when a tag gets a bike? Yes. Yeah. Uh, or there was a couple of situations where a tag could get, could get something. It was mostly to do with the motorcycle, where they were like, the question was, do you change this silhouette? Which silhouette do they take? Yeah. Know, what movement do they take? That's why these options are in here to completely nullify those questions. Yeah. So, so the panoplies are, you know, they're pretty like kind of booty booty esque um, in that they, you know, the, what's in there. But there are like number twelve is a uh, tag immunity AP, which is pretty cool. I, I, I can imagine a fr- like you got a bunch of AP thing and a fucking like Yodem or yep. Avatar picks yep. that up. I, 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 I don't know if I want to keep playing at that point. Well, you know, you've got to you've got to get a tag. It's got to touch the thing and it's got to roll twelve. I'm fine with that. Uh, I mean, because if you're not a tag, you get plus two armor, which is you know also very disgusting, especially if you just walked like a. Um, like a like a Kriza or a Sogarat in there. Hey, hello, Armor yeah. Eight Soggy. Um, you know. Uh, then we got like number sixteen, which is tag base attack shock, which is like whatever because most tags have HMGs, uh, multi HMGs anyway. So whatever. Although it would be cool, like a shock heavy flamethrower, decent. Um, although saying that a shock heavy flamethrower is kind of pointless because if your heavy flamethrower wounds. You know, if somebody it did something that the shock would matter. Generally, they're going to die to the fire anyway. Yes. So, uh, and then we've got tag immunity total, which is uh, if you're not a tag, it's plus four arm. So, like that's just funny, right? I mean, imagine. I'm trying to think. Even if something without armor getting it, like plus four armor, well, is pretty it, awesome. It, it's kind of almost saying the exact same thing. So, just take the situation mm. when you shoot um, a. Uh, avatar with AP, them having total immunity means that they get that four armor back that they would have yes. normally lost. Yeah, so it's pretty much it's pretty much saying the same thing. Um, I, it does, I wouldn't it want does to- mean that they're immune to flash pulse though with total immunity and immune to EM and immune to adhesive and immune to. And I mean to being sepsidrized, although I don't think you can sepsidrize attack. But anyway, um, I think it can if they're piloted because it counts as having a cube at that point. Yeah, but you don't you don't uh, target the pilot or something. I'm not quite sure. Um, And then then the last one is tag uh, twenty. You get tag BS attack plus one burst. Now that is pretty gross. Imagine getting a. 
a dragoy. And why do I always, people always call him a dragoy. And I'm, to me, I'm like, isn't that a dragos, dragos? And it doesn't matter. Um, uh, burst six HRMC or yeah, Sal- Sal- Salamandra. Sal- yeah, Salamandra, burst six. I mean, these are all like rolls of the dice that may not happen. So I think it's fine. I think it's hilarious, especially if you get eight four on a tag. Hells yes. Um, yeah, eight four. I mean, they, they, they're there. I mean, like I said, base, base attack shock is pointless. I, I don't, like if you rolled that, you, it wouldn't change the game at all. You just have double shock. Um. Yeah, looking at, like, especially if a tag got four armor, like a armor, what, 13 avatar, 14 yotam. Mm-hmm. Um, tiny tags getting up to armor 10. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to see that that doesn't happen because I think just seeing the numbers would be intimidating, uh, and, and like sort of mind game sort of thing, but total immunity is just as bad. Um, immunity AP is, pretty much just as bad as immunity total for the most part here's a here's a cool uh, little addition that you could add to a tag is um if you roll if you roll grenades on like a, a fizz 18 tag oh, wow. yeah, they, uh, yeah a lot of a lot of them are like 15 up aren't they yeah that'd be all right spec firing a grenade damage <laughs> damage 14 grenade due to plus one plus one damage yeah for, uh, well yeah exactly um, um, yeah the I mean, to be honest, for most tags, I would prefer to roll probably a lot of the other ones. Like you said, grenades, uh, the mimetism, the movement. Yeah, uh, if movement. you've got a oh, I butchered that. What's it called? A Japanese one. one? The Oyuroi. Japanese tag. Oyuroi. Yep, Getting the monofilament mm-hmm, insane mm-hmm. in it. <clears throat> yep. uh, um, but yeah, it's there, it's there because there was an issue in previous editions with tags touching the panoplies. They just wanted to clear it up. Yeah, not fair. Um, so, Damien Fitzpatrick asks, "What what's the best mission and why is it Panic Room? Well, seeing as we just played that, why is it Panic Room, Jacob? I, th- I, think, I just feel like the Panic Room's intense. Um, yeah. uh, it's like having, yeah, I, I, I think having, having it's sex it's, it's, while camping. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Fun. Oh, um, and I look. I, I know that uh, you and uh, Kevin and I. I really like the armory missions. They're kind of intimidating, depending on what army you play. Um, famously, Toa uh, very good at it because of yep. the McCool. Um, I like the way it really skews your list. Yeah. Like you really like you really build a list that is completely different to anything else you'd ever run because you are like mines, templates, short range weapons, yeah. boarding shotguns, climbing, pl- you know things like that. You know what it is? I reckon I know what it is. What? It's the fact that a it encourages to build elite armies, right? Because most of like the elite guys get the, like the number two chain of command and all the sort of stuff you need, as well as headquarters troops are almost always elite. Oh, panic room! Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or at, or for whatever reason, did you know? Did you know the Noctifers a headquarters troop? I did know that. In, a, in our game, I was thinking about taking the Noctifer Spitfire, um, but then I was like, mm, no. Or the, or the Noctifer think, Hacker actually was another option. I think the biggest reason why it is a really fun game to play is because it rewards you for taking characters. 
Yeah, fair. That seems I, that seems fair. Yeah. I I haven't. I don't think there's a single character that they've brought out, like ignoring the profile or anything like that. That that isn't fun to play with or to see across the field. I remember my first game. I had, I had, I had a Tai Shen that turned out to be the um, is it Lobo? Who's the um, counterintelligence? Uh, Eugene. Tawu. Uh, ta- yeah, Tawu. Mm-hmm. Um, the monk. The character monk had Luna. Mm-hmm. Uh, had uh, Sun Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and on you know on my side, I mean, I mean, I was playing OSS, so I could spam number two. But I got to take Pavati, and I got to take um, uh, Sheshkin, not Sheshkin, Shakti. Shakti, yeah. Um, and it's fun to see that shit across the board from you. Yeah, like in our game, I had Sheshkin, Ada Swanson, Victor. Um... You know, I had like yeah, I had like three characters on my list because I was like, well, they're all actually really good in Panic Room because they're good, at, they're good, you know, boarding shotgun, multi rifle, pulsars, viral mines, viral pistols, like they all work well in close quarters. So, and also, yeah, they count inside the room, which is great. I I I, I mucked up my list, but um, mm-hmm. I got to take I got to take uh, Perseus, I got to take uh, the Cruiser Borat, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that it encourages you, for the most part, to take really cool models and to and to fight with them. Some of the cooler models in the game, in the game, um, and as they get, well as they, for they the get mo- used. Yeah, and yeah. for the mo- and the, for the most part as well, um, there is a there's always nice to have that bit of comfort. Is for the most part, I don't think a lot of people would take tags in that mission. Well. Mm, well, I was about to say what does differentiate because I was going to say well, all these things apply to armory, but what armory doesn't have is wide access gates, so you can plonk a tag inside the panic room. Yeah, but for, but I think only a couple of armies have them as headquarters troops. Most of them are mechanized. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter. But headquarters troops is a fucking hundred point tag sitting in the middle of an objective room. Like you're going to dominate that thing, and then like have you know. Um, well, you know. like you're you already proven that probably not because you've your opponent now has three or four jates that put down EM and you're fucked. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. That was like um, I was going. I was going to take the Sphinx in our game until you, and then you. I'm glad I didn't because then you told me you can't actually climb the walls of the objective room. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's wrong. I'll take a look at that quickly. Maybe yeah, take a look because I was like har har har. I'll just climbing plus like 18 inches up the side of the thing and then go back into camel state and be like what you gonna do sucker but if i can't climb it then it's a bit shit that was an old trick to get like 24 inches up mm-hmm. you like in your perfect range but outside of other people's uh range mm-hmm. and you gotta discover me on an egg six which is fun um so we'll um Continuing the train of Panic Room, um, Alan Flaxman asks, is Panic Room the love child of Armory and Biotech? Or the answer is, yeah, probably. Um, the Biotech 4 area in Panic Room is way less oppressive than it is in actual Biotech 4, which is good because it means you don't have to move your guys out until turn 2 unless you deploy them really badly, uh, which is great. And then even in turn 3, all you have to do is move them outside of that 8-inch area and they're safe, at least until the end of the game. So that is, it occupies a lot less uh, mental space in your mind. 
as to where you're going to move all your guys. Oh, I have to move them all in turn one or they're going to die. So that's nice. It's still intense because you're all like congregating towards a central objective, but it's less stressful because you don't all have to like coordinated order everything out of the zone on turn one. Um, so it's a good uh, um, good balance. Did yeah. you find it? Yeah, no, I, I, it's describes the Panic Room. I guess you can still climb the walls as much as you want. Oh, okay. Well, again, yeah, listeners, if we get that wrong, please feel free to point us out where it is. Uh, it, it might have. I feel like I feel like I saw it somewhere, but um, yeah, I mean, it matter. makes kind of sense, but yeah, like because there's it's not physically there the walls, so it would be hard to like my model's here floating in the air. He's like yeah, mm. uh, I guess you could do it in TTS easy enough. Yeah, well, uh, in, in, in ITS there's only one mention of climb, so hmm. okay, uh, so. Well, yeah, so do you do you, do you agree? Like, yeah, you know, it is it is actually a very fun mission. Um, Mind wipe, on the other hand, I'm very lukewarm on. Yeah, like I haven't played it yet, but I don't I don't really like it. It, it doesn't. Mm. There's too much well, going you, on. You know, you know what? Mind wipe is a love child of um, unmasking and sabotage. Unmasking. Yeah, which are two missions I like, but I don't think I like the combination that they've gone with there. Look, I I don't want to speak too much on it because the one game I had of it, um, I played a nomad list that I just it just fucking kicked the shit out of me. Um, right. So, like, but what don't you like specifically about that? I don't like is I don't really like um the sort of what is it the random aspect of it where the you have there's a lot there's basically a lot going on in the mission and I feel like in a yeah. in a season that was supposed to be a bit simpler you know you've got um, yeah, you touch the button randomly selects which one is randomly the, like, selects one of them yeah. you can't you can't destroy it until turn two um destroy hit the console then you've got the uber hacker who can do the thing it's all in the deployment zone which is which is another another you've got to have you've do. got to have anti-material which is another like limitation i guess looking sabotage is similar but it's like less so because you can still get it from the panoplies. There's, there's a oh yeah because you can just pick up decharges from those panoplies, can't you? Correct. Yeah, or at least at least you used to be able to. I think you can still can now. Um, still have armored fury or uh, um, panoplies. Troopers possessing booty can don't need to make a whip roll. If a trooper, no, actually doesn't. Say booty skill, piece of scenery, and if a trooper rolls a weapon or piece of equipment they have, already have, they can. Re- mm, okay. I think, I think the old ones you could whip, pull out D charges or something. You could. You don't get that anymore, so actually, yeah, I'm wrong. So yeah, it's still quite hard to get a. If you don't. If you're playing like Pano or something with limited access to D charges, then. And um, yeah, not at hackers. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I just don't. I haven't played it yet, so I guess I can't be too negative on it, but I just don't like the sound of it. Panic Grim, on the other hand, I had lots of fun. Those, um, the, the, the biotech for antennas, I don't see massive reason to shoot them. I mean, there are reasons for sure, but, um, I feel like you'd be better off just going for the objective rather than trying to screw your opponent over. Yeah, it, look, it's it's difficult, but it it depends on what you. If your opponent puts nothing on those um, 
uh, on those uh, antennas, antennas, you're going to leave them. You're going to leave them alone because there's no reason to actually touch them. Yeah. But uh, if let's say in my first game, um, I had my shukra next to it. Mm-hmm. You're going to shoot that antenna because it. Well, you you can want to shoot that antenna because it forces me to waste orders moving my shukra. And if you then line something up to look at where he has to move through, um, you, you it means that I'm not spending mm. time into the panic room and said I'm trying to save this guy. Yeah. Um, no, I think I like that idea. Like I, like I said, it is there is a case because it's, it's scored at the end of the game round the way the points are um, put out. So long as what's next to it is cheap, um, and you can keep them alive just until the end of like your third round. Yeah. Um, then you don't. It, it's not too much of a concern, but it is a nice sort of. I have this unit. I may not get to move them the entire game, so I'll put them next to this antenna, and your opponent can go. Uh, well, he's not going to move that. Um, he's not going to move that model unless I get rid of that antenna. Um, and yeah. if you know it's a, you know it's a lieutenant or something like that, it can be worth it. As well as you know, if you're, if you're next to it, you fire a missile at it. It still dies at the end of the game, though. It's not in the panic room, right? No, I I don't think it's affected. I think I, oh, okay. I thought it was affected, I, even I, if it was. I think that's a rule in the biotech zone. I could be wrong. I um, mean, again, I haven't, I haven't to deal with it. Is the uh, one game I... So it says, obviously, there's still um, confused deployment in Panic Room, which um, I actually don't mind. I think it's fine in this one because you don't have. It's not such a. There's not such a hurry to get out of the zone. Um, and there are some some units like I took Ada Swanson in our game because I was like, well, she she only gets plus four, and she's rolling on a nine. But if she fails, doesn't matter because she's not a marker state anyway. Um, biotech core room, biotech core area. At the end of at the end of the third game round, any trooper inside a biotech area is automatically killed. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure if you take a look, the biotech. Uh... Yeah, so the in the biotech vor antenna, the troopers in the silhouette contact with the biotech vor antenna can't be affected by the biotech vor area. So mm. you you touch that antenna, you don't die at the end of the game. Right? Oh, okay. I uh, yep, yeah, fair enough. Um, one thing I thought would be kind of interesting, and maybe I could be wrong how this works, but if you deploy something like a hidden deployment model in contact with the biotech vor antenna, um, they aren't affected by it until they come on the table. Like, well, sorry, like, I mean, they can't be affected by it anyway, and you don't know they're there, and then turn three, you just be like, ha-ha, I'm here, and that's, they're safe. That's, a, that's an interesting thing, actually. Uh, then I said, all troops belong to like, the player that are inside. That's an interesting thing, because technically the rule for hidden deployment is that you're not on the table until you are. Yeah, and because you're touching the biotech, biotech vor antenna, you're not affected by it anyway, so you would be well, safe. What I'm saying is technically, if you're in hidden deployment, you can be in the biotech four area anywhere. You're not on the table. Yeah, that was in N three. I feel like they cleared up in N four, but I haven't really read into it. But um, I thought that might be kind of interesting. If you have a couple of hidden deployment models just sitting on the antenna, and then maybe they reveal and shoot sure, you. Sure, if you want to, you want to waste the. Well, I mean, that's what you did. You did with the Noctifers touching the biotech. I did. I did. I did. And it had a sweet little shot on your puppet bots and rolled an eighteen in typical Noctifer fashion, and then died. 
Sorry, for the, gr- the Grenzer that should have been able to kill it even better than The Grenzer did very right. well, yes. Um, so, uh, we'll move on into the last bit of the questions, which is about my favourite addition to ITS-12, and I say this facetiously. That's a Decompression zones. So, for, for anyone who hasn't had a chance to play in real life games and hasn't bothered to look at it, these localized decompression zones are you get to put in an area that can fit the circular template, a circular template. Any shots through it, it counts as going through so a saturation zone, yep. which means you lose first. And moving zero through G. it, they count as difficult, oh, they count as difficult terrain zero G. Yeah. And so. Like I mentioned before with the close combat, I think this has been put on to represent the fact that this season's supposed to be about naval combat. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, zero G, yeah. terrain, ship, boarding action, take a, you know, in, in difficult terrain, unless you've got terrain total or zero G. Um, so, um, James, James Bradshaw asks, I'm, I'm excited to see localized decompression. Well, good for you, buddy. Uh, being used as it's going to encourage me to take different units and types of lists. Do you think you'll drop units without zero G from your list or just play the mission how you always did? I think some of the rules for it need to be clarified, so any answer to these questions will be appreciated. So he asked some questions here. Are the zero are the zones infinite height? And if not, how tall are they? Well, under the rules for terrain, um, unless otherwise specified, they are infinite height. So they are infinite height, which will apply to the saturation zone as well. Um, and can a zone be placed so that it overlaps a building? Guessing not based on the wording, that's correct. And if a zone is placed under or on the bottom floor of a building, does it affect the floors above? Now, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that one. Overlap a building, as in like on a corner of a building, so like it cuts it. Well, yeah. you, you, you can't place a template there. Right, yeah, that's, that's, what, he, that's what he's meaning, yeah? Yeah, yeah, so that's what he means. It can't overlap a building, so it, it has to be completely flat. Um, so the zone about like so the example you think you said earlier before the cast Jacob was like if you put it on the floor and there's a bridge above it how does that work does it intersect the bridge does it go around the bridge is it is the bridge affected by the localized decompression zone or is it exempt from it because it's not I don't know um, I, I, like, I would say I would, yes just for fucking yeah. ease basically like it I is, would I would it, it's like a hacking yes. area type thing it's just you know comes all the way up and all the way out. And that's it. Yeah. But as for buildings, because I think technically it has to be on the ground floor. Can it be inside a building then? Well, it depends on the surface. Well, it's, it's it, you know, because, because ergo, if you put that on a roof of a building, then it would also extend downwards. And you can't put it on the roof of a building because I think it doesn't have to be on... Actually, no. I may be wrong here again, listeners. Um... Localized decompression. I think, I think, I think decompression just just says um, on a surface. Each player must place two circular templates in place anywhere on the surface of the game table that is equal or larger in size and must be completely outside of the DZ. Um, yeah, okay. I guess you can put that anywhere. So you can put that on a building. Yeah, okay. That's, so, uh, well, that's actually, that actually, that actually is kind of cool. I suppose my question is, and this is more of a rules as written, rules as intended. When they say game table, do they mean the table or do they mean your map? I would say that they just mean anywhere on the table. Like, it's not like an HVT that says it has to be deployed on ground level without touching scenery. 
Like, this one doesn't have that stipu- stipulation. So I guess you could put it on a roof of a building, which would be fine. And therefore, it would, and therefore, in my opinion, it would extend... Ooh, actually, then would it extend downwards? Look, I don't know. It's late, and I'm just going to say... Decide but with your opponent at the time. Here's the one thing that you took, because you've got the list of the ones that have decompression zone. Yeah, so uh, before we started tonight, yeah. I thought it was like three yeah. missions, but apparently it's like fucking eight of them. Oh, but what about the armory? You will. You, uh, you stick it in the armory? I don't know. Um, so, can you just read off the list of missions that it's in? Uh, so, it's in Capture and Protect, Firefight, Highly Classified, Looting and Sabotage, Power Pack, Quadra Control, and the Armory. Right, it doesn't specify it in Comlog. Um, um, Has Comlog been updated? Yeah. It has been updated. So, y'all get on Comlog because it is the quickest and easiest way of checking your latest uh, latest ITS-12 mission set. Um, although I would like if, Mike, you could just add um, when which missions have localised decompression into like the fancy little... Um, widgets that you do uh, that would be really great thank you so yeah so it's heaps more missions right Cla- capture and protect that'll that'll screw you over firefight i mean fine highly classified it's a, it's a weird addition there looting and sabotage similar to capture and protect in that it's you can put it in the way of your your beacon yeah, every, every, everyone's just going to put it on their beacon power There's pack no power pack is a dumb one because power pack already has a saturation zone that extends 16 inches out from the center of the table or sorry eight inches on either side of the centre of the table. So you've already got a saturation zone and then you're adding additional um, sat zones yeah. and difficult terrain zones. I played a mission, I played that mission recently and it's fucking annoying when you have four extra templates. Because it's not just two templates, you're placing two each, so it's four templates. That's yeah. so much of the board. I don't like it's it. Don't like, like it at 20, all. Like 20... That's just a lot. Yeah, it's so much, <clears throat> too much. Uh, quarter control in the army, and like, yeah, maybe you can put it in the army. That would be um, pain. Well, I mean, it's a tactic, right? Because it would mean that your chain rifles and stuff, or you know, if you're in a link, then they go down to or your shotguns go down to burst one. If you if you don't split the fire, I suppose the other thing is it doesn't it doesn't give anyone an advantage. Like, yeah, you, you're, you're you're assuming you'll get into the um, deployment zone, but you might not. Uh, and it's before deployment, so uh, depo- before deployment, but it's after the roll, so you would so know whether you're going. Yes, you, you know where you you know which side you're deploying on. You just haven't deployed yet. Yeah. But um, um mm-hmm. and oh no, go on if you want to. Well, no, I was going to say it's like what um, it doesn't really. Maybe I should actually look at the ITS document, but um, for localized decompression. It doesn't say they can be placed anywhere on the surface of the game table that is equal or larger in size than the template. Now, for me, that would mean that it can't be placed on anything. So, like, if you've got a beacon, you can't place it in the middle of the beacon because it's touching. No, 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 no. You just, you'd, but you'd have it in front just to be yeah, annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think that's maybe slightly unclear. Like, if you've got like a piece of scatter terrain, like it can't be touching any terrain piece. Well, it's it's the same thing as like um, how AD troops used to have to deploy, or even sort of how they have to deploy now. If you you couldn't land on the next to the console because the template couldn't fit. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. So I would say you, you can't put it on an objective. I mean, again, take it take it as the fluff as the fluff idea, right? There's a it's hole. Represent, it's representing technically a hole in the floor of your map. If it's on the objective, your objective's just been sucked out into space. Yeah. Okay, that seems fair. So maybe you can put on buildings then. I I don't know about that. Like yeah. that's what I'm saying. When they say game table, do they mean literally like the table that you've put your like your mat and your terrain on, or they when they say game table, do they mean the mat, the terrain, and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I think in my games, I don't think I'd be putting it on any buildings or anything really. Just everything on the ground. I don't know. Eh, we'll see. We'll play more. Um, but I don't. I don't particularly like it because for a couple for a few reasons. One reason I've just described. It just adds more saturation zones and something like power pack which is stupid it's not fun it's just not saturation zones aren't fun um, they're not fun like, they're really not like you're just like i remember playing a game um against somebody uh, and he had a proxy on the objective and i was like cool i'm burst three. Oh no wait i'm burst two and jesus christ it just took so long to get rid of that thing um i mean i could have probably brought a better gun to bear but it was um it was yeah. frustrating the only time that there were the saturation zones were fun was the small amount of time in N3 when the drills could carry one with them. Like, I don't mind saturation zones. I think they're fine. I just think that there's when there's four of them on the table, it gets a bit oppressive. And, look, the, the, the thing that I keep thinking about is I know when I've played, like, Power Pack or any of the other ITS missions that have ever had a saturation zone, you forget they get forgotten. Yeah. Forget Gordon. Well, that's that's that brings us on to some other, another question. So, um, uh, do you feel that the placeable saturation zones in certain ITS? So, Nick uh, Hamonet asks, do you feel that the placeable saturation zones in certain ITS missions will impact your choice to go first, second, and which pieces you'll choose to leave up in ARO? Well, I mean, that's I, another I, good question. Yeah, about. I think I think we'll combine that with um the last part of uh, James's question, which is about oh, whether yes. you'll choose. Bridgy, multi-terrain, total terrain guys. Uh, who? James, just before. Oh, yes, uh, so sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If you'll add... I mean, yeah, I think it depends on the army. Like, I, I was been playing Rama before, and Rama only have, like, a very few amount, very few um, total terrain guys. They've got the Tuareg, the Nahab, um... The Hakim and I think the Namur, and um, whereas like everything else, like Corrige, Tariq, all none of them have terrain total, so they yeah. really get bogged down. Um, Mukhtars don't have it, so like the, there are some good profiles that have it, but there's a lot of your army that doesn't, and it sucks. So um, yeah, I think zero G is almost exclusively a nomad thing. It's like Nomad and Pano, I think, have quite a lot of zero G. Like the knightly orders have zero G. Some of them do anyway. Yeah. I think Cosmoflot, the Cosmos sold that. Oh yeah, zero G. But again, introduced for. The, I suppose actually now I think of it. I suppose O uh, O twelve probably has. I'm not sure, honestly. I, I just I tend to just look at terrain total, really. Um, and then just if, if it's zero G, then it's a bonus. But I'm not too fussed. Um, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Uh, uh, will it change my list building if I know that mission's in there? Then sure, I might even just change which army I take. Um, like 
Um, Shaz Vasti have a lot of terrain total in uh, form of like Shrouded and Malignos um, uh, and the Speculo, which is really good. But other armies, I think, struggle. So like I said, Rama, a lot of their core units don't have it, which could be a problematic in, you know, depending on where those templates go down. Um, um, yeah, uh, just to answer my own question, taking a look at O12, they've got a ton of 0G units. Mm. Not like... Other than Nalf, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven units that can ignore those tr- those uh, decompression zones. Which ones are they? Uh, the Delta, mm-hmm. the drop unit, Razor, which is crazy because that's a uh, they've got the one of the characters, the flight o- officer Agnes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Crushes, um, uh, Noyaka, Bronzes, cool. as well as the Raptor boarding squads. Wow, that's actually a lot of really good units that you want. Profiles that have that have um, zero G on them. Yeah, and then for like combating the saturation zone, like we all know the old Noctiver trick, you know, put him put him behind the saturation zone and watch, you know, because he's burst one anyway. I don't know. I don't know if I'd have any other tricks that go along that way. Um, I mean, unless I'm, I'm unless I'm burst five in a link, that would be the time I'd use it. You know, to like fight like a Kamau or a similar arrow piece to so that we're burst four versus burst one. Um, and uh, again, taking a, taking a look on that on that sort of thing, nomads as well. Ton of terrain total units there. Yeah, they everywhere. do have a lot. They do have a lot. Yeah. Wow, it's actually that's incredible how many they've got. Yeah. Uh, as for like who I put up. Yeah, you probably you probably want to put up more like low burst, high damage, good shot units. Like you, you'd feel more you'd feel more confident to put up like a Hundun just by itself, or um, yeah. even the uh, what's it called uh, Proxy Mark Two because it's lost its hidden deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, probably going to see a little bit less use, but in this mission. Um, the fact that it's got the minus six, it's going to shoot through the saturation zone with one shot as an ARO piece anyway. Um, it, it'd just be a pain to deal with. What I found quite um, a little bit frustrating when I played Power Pack was, um, you know, because there are so many, because basically the entire table is the saturation zone. When you yeah. are like, picking those fights and you're getting in close like I had a, an engagement um, with like um, I think it was a Nahab against something and I was like oh my Nahab boarding shotgun okay I'll come in this corner and oh I'm burst one mm. fuck you know it's like ah, uh, you know we were both burst one now I'm like I might as well just like come in the corner and like berserked you know instead of um, shooting so it's not just the <coughs> the long range engagements that are going to be screwed by it. It's like these, these like quite important short range things like, you know, um, you know, shrouded boarding shotguns, uh, you know, cal- even Calibans with like sub SMGs, like suddenly down to burst two. It, mm. it, it, it really, um, you know, it doesn't really help those either. Well, doesn't it? Hmm? It fix templates and all that as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if you have more than one target, you can split burst and you can still potentially like cover, you know, the same yeah. person with two templates, but yeah, effectively you are like minus one burst. So like a chain rifle is burst one anyway, but if you are like, a, like I, th- I think it's like for boarding shotguns, it's going to be a quite a problem for, because you're like I mean, you know, ten, one, one template as opposed to two, unless you're putting on multiple enemies. 
<clears throat> yeah. And shooting from two points, like you in the saturation zone, your enemy in the saturation zone, that still counts, doesn't it? What it's do you mean? not true. It's just so if you're shooting through, so if you're shooting at someone in a saturation zone, at someone behind a saturation zone, are in the saturation zone yourself. Yeah, if any line of fire is drawn through a saturation zone, then you minus one burst. Yeah, down to down to one burst. So I, I, yeah. the only thing I can say is make sure you you spread out your units so people don't get the opportunity to split their shots. Mm. Yeah. So, and then the final question on this is, what are your plans for the decompression templates? So, I think I mentioned before, it's gonna like I've got like two templates, I think, in my like I have, and then I maybe have the Kalstrom ones as well. But like going to a tournament, having to remember to take like at least three templates with you, people are gonna forget. And also, it's like it's just, it's just annoying to have to like remember to have them and then put them down and then. I mean, at least at least it's an actual um, template that you can see, as opposed to like the saturation zone in something like Power Pack, where you forget that it's there. So I guess yeah. that's good. Uh, look, if tournament organizers, if you want to put one of these missions in here with um, uh, with it, uh, go and buy you know whatever five dollar stack of CDs. <laughs> They're the same size as the um, are the they? Things. Yeah. Wow, yeah, CDs. CDs. Hey, so, can you even buy wait, them anymore? Yeah. If, if you I don't know if you you know if you don't have a template and you want a cheap template find a CD and just rub all the magnetic stuff off of it that's not um, a bad idea but I mean like and it won't be hard to run a tournament with them because like we said it's capture and protect firefight highly classified looting sabotage power pack quadrant control in the armory all have them so look forward to yeah. that folks um when you you know you've you've got your lovely little Link team that now has to be like, oh, none of them have terrain skills, and ah, crap. Oh. And we're playing on we're playing on a dense table like my one, and you have to walk through the fucking things. Uh, that said, I, I, that said, I'm really looking forward to running um, a link team of uh, Reverend Moira's because they all have terrain total. Woo! Well, um, you know, I mean, like, like I say, like again, it's another way of CB going. Hey, have you tried? If you, hey, have you tried this profile yet? It's got terrain total. Actually, do my Jace have terrain tool? If my Jace have terrain tool, then I'm definitely running them more. Do they? Do they? Do they? Do they? They do not. Okay, they are officially poo again. Um, right, I'll just I'll just run Achilles. Does he have yes. terrain tool? Yes. Yikes. So him with saturation zones and ODD. Uh, sorry, mimetism minus six. That's it. So. Yeah, um- as in, as in far as my plan to use the templates, I'm going to do the same thing my opponent is. I'm going to make them as annoying as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, because again, it's, it's off, it's before the deployment phase. So you know what your side is, you know whether you're going first or second. Mm-hmm. So and you can place I'm them going, anywhere outside your DZ. So you can just place them yeah. along your I'm opponent's going, DZ. I'm going to find a good corridor that my opponent will want to either enter or move down gonna put it in i'm gonna find a try and find a way to put it in there and then you I realize that they're running a sphinx and then the sphinx is moving like seven six through like boop, 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 boop. thank you <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i i suppose the only other thing is again it's before the point phase is if i've got um i didn't think about this is 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 it in any of them uh is uh designated targets in any of these mm. 
No. I don't think so. Don't Damn. think so. If there was, I would have said I'd put it somewhere where I want to put my HVT. Oh, yeah. You could do that. Um, one, one less. There is... There is... Uh, so, decapitation has designated target. Um... Firefight has a designated target, doesn't it? Unmasking, no. So it's just um, it's just decapitation and unmasking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. So cool. Well, that brings us to the end of the questions. Uh, do we have anything else you wanted to mention or anything about uh, ITS twelve in general before we uh, log off? No, I mean of the few few games I've played of it, you know, it's it's still the Infinity that we love. Uh, N four hasn't really, you know, you could bring this out in N three, it wouldn't really have made a difference. No, it does feel fairly vanilla. I think you know, with the exception of the decompression zones, which like I just I don't think help the game. I think if anything, it hinders play. Um, like it'll 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 be the same thing as the Xenotech. They'll try it for a season. Everyone will say they hate it, and then it'll disappear. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But look, I I look, I'll I'll just go back to the question we had. I I just go. I'm really happy with the new scoring um system. I mm-hmm. think it's gonna help. I think it's gonna help. You know, you get to take a look at some of the people who are doing really well in your tournament, but it also means that those guys that are merely trailing behind only just um are going to feel rewarded for sticking in there doing smart plays and not giving up yeah and 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 if you're and if you are um winning and getting five or more points every round you're still earning four points so it's it's gonna really is you're you are gonna have this separation right you're gonna have this like people on three points people on four points and then people on one point or two points or zero, I guess zero points, right? Which I guess is that much, is that that much different from before? It's probably a little bit more broad, right? You got like one, two, three, four, as opposed to before it was one, two, three. Yeah. So it's, it it also means you can be like, like your your tournament score at the end, and maybe this doesn't matter to any anybody, right? You can say, look how close all my games were. I have three losses, and every single time I got a point. Or you, if even you get two points, like that's pretty good. If you play three rounds and you get six, you end up with six points at the end. That's um, like compared to N three scoring, that would be like three minor wins. Mm. It's the same. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah. So if you if you have three very close losses where you get five points or more and lose by two or less, then you will finish the tournament on the same amount of points as if you had had three minor wins. Which is, you know, that's that's a decent reward. Um, I mean, you're not yeah. gonna. Whereas, I guess, or, or although, I guess, in in three days, three minor wins would put you probably maybe a bit higher than you would because people who are actually winning are earning three, six, nine points as opposed to six points. So you'll still probably end up in the same place as you were before overall. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to seeing how. Um this uh, shakes up, especially now, given that we uh, we can all we in Melbourne uh, and most of Australia suck at WA and uh, <laughs> can meet face to face. Just for the next five days, um, they've recorded no community cases 
today anyway. So hopefully it's just, uh, hopefully Mr. McGowan is just lock the gates um, just for the next you know, week. As far, as far as this whole pandemic is um, concerned, overreaction's better than no action. It's good. All right, well, um, we've got nothing else to say. We'll uh, we'll sign off. So uh, uh, Nick hasn't returned, so he's um, he is fully on baby duties. So um, we'll catch you next time, mate. <laughs> uh, anyway, so you've been listening to Loss of Lieutenant. My name is Kevin. I'm Jacob. And good night. <laughs>